and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, good afternoon, sir. How's it going? Oh, I could be better. Listeners of the podcast will already hear right now that I am a little slightly under the weather. It's allergies. We are we have been suffering our, from our, some of the worst wind. Our, it's our windy season. Yeah. We are getting, uh, right now, like, we weren't even supposed to have this wind today. Our wind was supposed to be tomorrow. Yes. And it's supposed to get to, like, 40 to 50 miles per hour gusts. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. And so that, welcome to New Mexico. <laughs> You know, Aller- yeah, the allergies, oof. Yeah, so they're a real thing. I, I've been taking medicine, so I should be fine. But if I start, like, hacking a little bit, I apologize for our listeners. I'm going to do my best not to. But in case you're wondering why I'm not as loud and as boisterous as I normally am, much to your benefits, <laughs> that is why. You can also move closer. Oh, sure, I will. Uh, another thing, too, is... Um, we missed last week, uh, recording-wise, uh, and that's just because it fell on Valentine's Day, and yep. your wife celebrates, my wife can't stand that day, so I got lucky right. and played video games. <laughs> Next year, we'll trade. No, 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 no. thank you. No way. <laughs> Nobody in this situation would be okay with that. No. No. Yeah, no, I it, it turned out okay. She didn't buy me board games, but she did buy me a couple little gifts that were pretty cool, you know, yeah. I'm not complaining. A lot of Girl Scout cookies, which was pretty awesome. Well, I think a big part of it, too, for, like, me and my wife is um, our, the anniversary of us, you know, starting to date is two days after Valentine's Day. It's February 16th, and right. we've been together 11 years now. So, yeah. she's like, why why do that when we can do that? And I was like, okay, don't bother me any. Yeah, well, she's a very <laughs> logical thinker. <laughs> she is. She very much is. And she's just never been a big fan of it, that, you know, the manufactured holiday that it is. If you celebrate, have fun with it, but yeah, I, I've been so. with people who really, really want to celebrate it, and then I've uh, been with a couple people like her, just like, nah, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. No, that's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I respect that, but my wife definitely doesn't agree, <laughs> and therefore, we could not film yesterday, uh, last week. Yep. Despite my efforts, because she even said uh, earlier that weekend, she was like, hey, yeah, so, like, what, what's the plans for Tuesday? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm filming with Daniel, you know? And I knew she already had plans. I was just messing with her. She was like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, it's Tuesday. I'm filming with Daniel. She was like, no. You spend time with me. I'm like, no, it's a Tuesday. That's our schedule. <laughs> and I just kept egging her on. Until until I, I knew I pushed it just slightly too far. And I was like, no, hold on. You know I'm kidding. I already canceled it. Don't worry. <laughs> and then I frantically texted you and said, hey, I can't film. No, <laughs> she don't listen to this podcast. No, I don't blame her. <laughs> we don't. No, I have to re-listen to it when I edit it. That's true. We have our, that, you're our viewer, aren't you? <laughs> right now, yeah. The one who listens. No. Um, so it was it was a funny week last week, but you know overall, you know I've been playing a lot of games lately. Uh, so have I and actually, um, I did play Snowtails finally. Oh yeah, I liked it a lot. My wife enjoyed it. One of our mutual friends did not like it because there there's a trick to it where if you're going around curves, you want to keep your huskies off level. So like, yeah. you want to play a four here and a three here. This way they can veer properly. So yeah, but yeah, she just kept drawing like fives and stuff like that, and she couldn't. So it is a bit lucky. I mean, I ran off the the track and I was eliminated going into the first turn <laughs> because if you take so many dents, fills your entire hand up, your your things wrecked and you can't go. That makes sense. But it's it, it played pretty quickly. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, but yeah, so if I had played it before that, I don't 
I think it might be in the top 100. That's how much I enjoyed it. Ooh, Even wow. with me getting eliminated. I, I refreshed my mind, which you were there last week. Mm-hmm. You got a chance to play that Condottier game that I've been telling you about. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I, I liked what it did. Yeah. I just like how drastically different. And, and that was the best part about last week's game day that you and I had um, with our mutual friend of ours, is that I only went with one Shelf of Shame game at all. Mm-hmm. And that was Samurai. And I, I enjoyed that one quite that a bit. That wasn't too bad either. Yeah. But... And then every other game was just one that says, like, I already knew I liked. I already wanted my to My favorite was the last one of the night. In fact, my... Not switching my, tracks. What was that last one? Uh, my favorite two were the first game we played that night and the last game we played that switching night. Switching tracks. Wow. No. What was the first game we played? No, we didn't. Because we were waiting on our buddy oh. to play Switching Tracks. Oh, what was it that we played? Buried Treasure was the first uh, one. Yeah. And, and then uh, Sleuth and then was the last one. Sleuth was the last one. That's right. Uh, d- I mean, double double it up on Sid Saxon. Yeah, man. that was that was a f- that was fun. Those two were my favorite. Switching tracks was fine. It's a yeah. nice little pick up and deliver. I love the little engine building that it does. Right, it does it really well. Yeah, I like just shooting across the board. I think that's hilarious. It's an ugly game, though. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, Mind you, we didn't really play that many pretty games. I think Samurai was probably the prettiest game. Uh, Barry Treasure. Well, yeah, Barry Treasure. The, but there's the not much to do with yeah. that one. Yeah, it's just just playing cards and trying to get sets. Yeah, but I actually think Samurai functionally and like aesthetically, it's actually pretty darn nice. And those pieces, those. Well, yeah, those no, like I said, it was probably the prettiest pieces. game we mm-hmm. played outside of Barry Treasure's art. Yeah, because Barry Treasure is just cards that you're collecting and stealing from other and people. Some tokens, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Other than that, but Samurai was nice. The board, nice pastel blue, mm-hmm. and the pieces were really nice. The screens were a little eh. Yeah, they were okay. Maybe. But everything else was fine. I, I enjoyed it. But Yeah, either way. Um, let Before we go too much into this, we're counting down our top 100 games. Um, as of February 2023, we did our last list about a year and a half ago. Last two episodes, we went through number 100 through 81, then... 80 through 61. Yep. Today we're going through 60 through 41. So, each round, or each number, we're going to flip our coin of doom. That'll decide who goes first. We talk about it. Talk even more. Are you ready to get into this, Daniel? Yeah, I just realized I put the wrong numbers on our thing, but yes, I am ready to get into this. Oh, that's fine. It's more or less close enough. But while you update, let's go ahead and flip the coin of doom. Starting with that one is tails, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm so not used to this. Starting yet. with me. Yep, that's right. Uh, my first game is one that actually moved up, and it's funny. Wait, no, we're going to. You were right the first time. Sixty through. Yes, you were right. We've yeah. only done two episodes before. Well, I missed a page. All right, Uh-oh. well, i got to bust out my phone. Well, okay, well, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right, right I'll start us off because of technical difficulties. difficulties. <laughs> so mine dropped from number 19 last time on my list. And I put it on here because I had gotten a newer version of it. And I think I got that after. Pretty sure I got I got the newer version after I got the older version. And after we did our rankings. Okay. Because this list had dropped from 19 to 60, which it's still pretty high up there. Don't get me wrong. Any of these top 100s are great games. But this one is definitely an overhaul. It looks prettier. And it has streamlined rules. This is Kalis 1303 
I like this one a lot. That one is good. Yeah, I know you 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 were pretty happy with it when you played. Mm -hmm. um, what I think this does well is this does worker placement. This is one of the first worker placement games around, mm -hmm. and which is absolutely awesome. Like I love, I like worker placement as a mechanism. And one of the original ones, and especially the fact that this has, like, engine building, you have that row of buildings that will activate. Yes. And only certain ones will activate, assuming the provost is far enough along, which you can <laughs> kind of bid him along. I, some people absolutely hate that. I absolutely love that feature. Which, okay. I mean, don't get me wrong, I tend to play pretty passively. I'm, I'm going to be pushing it far anyway. And I play with mostly passive groups, so we don't really move it too much. But I like the ability for that one. Like, yeah, I'll just chuck a coin at him and uh, move him one space over just so he can mess with everybody. Good fun time. That's Kalis1303, the new remake with, uh, I think, Andrew Bosley's art. Yes, uh, that is a nice one. I do really enjoy it. So my number 60, because, you know, I went and forgot it, right. is Boomerang. Specifically, I put USA on this one because it's the one I physically own. I've played this one in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, but all in all, uh, it's a, I guess you consider it like a flip and write, where mm -hmm. you're trying to either get sets of something, um, as well as some other stuff. Uh, it's like sets of tokens that um, allow you to get uh, as many as you have on there, you can score them. Then you also have other sets uh, that you're doing, because you're also trying to collect a certain uh, grouping of them. Because a certain color, because you'll get a bonus if you fill out the, all the colors there. Uh, I liked it a lot. I really, really enjoy the Broomwearing series. I do want to try Europe. That's the only one I haven't tried yet. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but yeah, I think it's one of the better flipping rights. Oh, absolutely. I think it's an awesome one. And I, it's not even a flipping right. It's just a drafting, right? Well, yeah, it's kind of a draft. Yeah, you, yeah you're drafting draft. the cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you flip them over as you're playing them. Like, I, I think this is significantly better. And I don't tend to like rolling rights. Yeah. And I don't tend to like drafting. But what Scott Alms, I believe he's the designer of this, yep. what he did to that game is way better. It's my number 179, by the way. Uh, it was so. originally number 76, uh, the Australian version, so it did move up. Nice. So with the addition of the USA version... With the broken Bigfoot rule, that is very polarizing. <laughs> that, that is, uh, I'm sorry, it makes me laugh. I, I think it's hilarious, but I also like it when when designers do malevolent things. Like, like that, yeah. It's like a in-joke. So, for listeners of the podcast who haven't seen it, um, I'll, I'll explain what, what we're talking about. They're, in order to score animals, or pictures of animals, you have to have a pair of them. And so, if I have two um, bears... I'll score a number of points for my for my bears. Yeah. Well, there's a Bigfoot, and it's worth nine points, but there's only one card. So it is impossible to actually draft the Bigfoot. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, it, the thing about it, too, is that uh, when I've played this a couple times, when you and me played it, we only realized that after the fact. Yes. Uh, and then when I taught it to some other people, I actually went out and told them, you, should, yes. you know, because I had a, an unfair advantage because yes. I knew... Right. I'm like, there's only one Bigfoot in here. Don't don't try to look for the match yeah. of the Bigfoot because yeah. you're not going to find it. It's just there for, for humor purposes. Yeah, for humor purposes. And so yeah. I go into that knowing um, this way I can, you know, be nice to them. Exactly. All right, number 59. I'll start us off. My number 59 is a game that has since created a meme 
amongst our gaming group mm-hmm. and amongst others. This was number, I think, 47 on my list last year. So not too much of a drop, but a little bit of a drop. Just because so many good games came in. Um, quite simply, this is Lewis and Clark, The Expedition. Oh, New Orleans. Yep. <laughs> so anytime you, him and I say, oh, it's New Orleans all over again, that's our friend Dom. I believe is, that is. Is coming back from way back when. And, yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely hilarious. Is that it is a crossover, crossover? yeah. It is another crossover number four. Keep count at home. <laughs> My bet was 15. Um, I had, and mine was 10. I had it at... 85. That yeah. was my number 85. So not too far away, but Lewis and Clark, The Expedition. I have the upgraded bits. Haven't played with them much yet. I I like it. It's hard to get to the table because I see a lot of people say they would never play it more than two. Um, I think I'm, I'm okay I with three. I three. Three yeah. is fine. We also had a computer automating the whole oh, thing, Oh, yeah, too. that's true, too. The, the computer cleaned it all up. Right. So I think in real life, maybe three is my maximum because even then it's still even then, Yeah, even then with the computer, it, it took a little bit. Right, so. exactly. But as far as being like a, a mid-heavyweight Euro game, it's, it doesn't get much better. And that racing part of it is just absolutely brilliant. You're moving up that track, trying to get to the West Coast. First one, get there, wins, boom, and done. We love it. Yeah, it's really good. So my number 59 was not ranked last year. um, And I'm going to have to go through this as we're talking. So, uh, But I really, really enjoy this one. Speaking of Scott Alms, this is another one of his games. But it's not by Gamelin. Oh, okay. It's um, by Colossal Games, right? Yep. Yep. Uh... Almanac. Almanac the Dragon Road. Uh, it's a worker placement, and I've talked about this before. I love worker placements. That's one of my favorite um, mechanisms, if not my favorite mechanism. But what he did with this one, because it's a storybook, and that's your game board. And so every page of that game board has a different role when it comes to the worker placement. So the best way I could do this is like the very first page. It's the same for everybody. You, when you're at that spot, you can own, there's four tents and you have three workers. You can place your worker anywhere on the board if it's open. However, if you go into one specific tent, none of your workers can go into that tent again. Mm -hmm. I love that. And then there's other rules where uh, when you're placing workers, they have to go in a straight line or they have to be directly after another worker or before another worker because Mm -hmm. we have to ascend ladders or something like that. Right. I loved every bit about it. I love the story to it. The components are fine. The insert is meh. It, it's it does its job, but it's still because like with the, I have the other one, uh, Crystal Peaks. Yes. It's the same insert, but they don't use the same type of pieces, so it doesn't fit completely right, right in there. But I really, really do enjoy this a worker placement style game. It's phenomenal and it's fun. That's the big thing about this. Yes. It's fun to play it, it it makes it almost like it's like mansions of madness if they made a pure euro game yes you know what i mean like there's something so different about that branching rule book this is number 285 for me by the way uh the, the the branching book of all the different pages different rules that happen and i love the fact that one of the players whoever's lead gets to pick the next adventure yeah next adventure. so you have two choices you go to this page or this page and they and it tells you kind of what is you're gonna get a lot of and uh-huh. what you're not gonna get a, a, the least amount of, and so it's like okay, well I'm really set up for me to get this stuff or I have contracts yeah. that need this stuff, so right. let's go over here. No, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I need the other stuff. What are you doing? That's right. 
No, it, that, that's a good one. It's a very good pick. I I kind of am a little sad that it's not on my list, but it does make sense, too. Yeah. All right. Our number 58, and that is you. All right. So, uh, this one for sure was not ranked, uh, the one I'm picking here. I have to do uh, some checking here in a minute to see if its predecessor was, because I did enjoy the predecessor. Mm. But this is a remake version of a game uh, with a new theme on it. And this one is Marvel Remix. So if you're familiar with Fantasy Realm, it plays a lot like Fantasy Realm where once you're trying to collect a certain number of cards, I think it's seven. Yeah, you always have a hand of seven. Seven. And you draw one card and discard one card. So the way it works is you can draw from the discard pile... And put it into your hand and the discard into the discard pile because the game in trigger is 10 cards in the discard pile. And so if you're drawing straight off the deck and then discarding, you're mm. quickening the pace off of it. So it's kind of like, okay, well, this is not going to work with me. So let me do this. Okay, well, this works, so I'm going to discard this one. But now there's two mm. cards in the discard pile. We're let, uh, sending it out there and trying to end the game quicker because it's like... And that's a way to do it. If you're happy with your hand, you can just be like, nope, don't like that card. Nope, don't like that card. And you can force on your turn the end game. Mm-hmm. Marvel Remix does exactly the same thing, but it's using Marvel characters. Uh, but there is a slight rule in this one is that you have two decks that are sharing a discard pile. You have a villain deck and you have the Remix, remix deck, which has like locations, artifacts, uh, heroes, sidekicks. The special rule on this one is that villains will give you negative points unless there's certain requirements, just kind of like other cards in Fantasy Realm. Mm-hmm. However, you cannot win the game and you'll get zero points if you don't have a hero or sidekick and a villain in your hand. So if you don't have a villain, and your entire hand is zero. If you don't have a hero or sidekick, if you do have a villain, your entire score is zero. You don't score your hand at all. And I like that because it's you're, you're trying to sit there as like... I know I got to get this bad guy, so... Oh, this is Sentinels. I need to start collecting mutants. But I don't have mutants in my hand, so I'm hoping they're discarded out or I'm going to have to just start drawing into this draw deck. And it's like... Mm. But I do do really enjoy the Fantasy Realm system because I own both Fantasy Realm and Marvel Remix. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Marvel theme. I'm a big superhero guy. I love comic book stuff. And so I think it just works. It works really well. It's very pleasant. It's very fast. It's a great filler game. So my number 58, Marvel Remix. Awesome. My number 58 is a game all about combo tactics. This is brand new to my list because I had not played it at the time. Or either I hadn't played it or didn't own it last time I did the rankings. Mm -hmm. But I do own it now. And that's because every time you play it, one card will lead into another card, which lets you do another action, which leads you to another action, which you can choose to do multiple actions on top of it. And I love it when games allow you to have that absolute levels of shenanigans uh, throughout every turn. Like, And some turns might be real simple, like one action, done. Because ultimately you're playing a single card, which are, you're trying to use up all of the abilities and icons on other cards, and you do so by sliding it into the board. This has a theme that I already really like. I love underwater themes. I love combo-tastic. The very first time I played this, I was a little confused. It took me a while. But after that, I I fell in love with it. Aquatica. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be another crossover. I'll have to check here. Yeah, we'll double-check that here in a bit. But, yeah, Aquatica. It's an absolutely brilliant game. Um, I think, was it you that showed it to me? No, it was Nate. 
Oh, that's right. Yes. No, it, it, it's awesome. I can see why it's Dice Tower Essential. And I'm it was still, my number 76. Your number 76. It's number five. Yeah, everything you said about it, 100% agree. Aquatica, it's awesome. Ready for our number 57? Oh, yeah. All right. You'll be starting us off. Or no, I'll be starting us off. Because I am heads, and I don't know how heads works on this coin. Uh, 57 is a dexterity game. You ever Have you ever gone to an arcade with me? Uh, no, I have not. Yeah, you and I have never been in the same arcade before. Nope. That's a shame. We need to fix that. <laughs> because I have been told I am a hustler at, at a certain arcade game. Well, I know you're a hustler at, um, uh, what is it called? Air hockey. Mm-hmm. That's what people say. I mean, people don't tend to beat me at it. I absolutely love air hockey. been playing it for years. Um, I played it uh, two weeks ago with my son, like, for the first time in a while, and absolutely destroyed him. Poor kid. Well, no, I don't take it easy on him. Like, <laughs> I won't. I let him get a few points in, but just to make him sure feel better about it. Do. But then, then I was like, all right, here we go. Snipe, 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 done. This is the board game equivalent of air hockey. Clask. Clask. Yeah. It's It's brilliant. You have your magnet underneath the board, and it's a little wooden table that's lifted up. You have a heavy-duty magnet that you're moving around this little piece, and you're knocking the ball over. There's a little board in between the two halves, so that way you can't go past your half, which is a smart way to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's times where you could pull, like, ridiculous things if your piece comes off of the magnet because you lift it down. Well, then you have to either reattach it or wait till your opponent is kind <laughs> enough to send it your way. Yep. There's also three little, like, mini pucks that have magnets in it. And if they just don't happen to get attached to yours, that's not great. Because if you get two of them attached to you, then too bad. And you could absolutely use the ball to knock them into your opponents, which is hilarious. Um, the ball bounces surprisingly well. It's all plastic. And there's a small little disc where it's like slightly indented hole that you're trying to knock it into. That's the goal spot. Yeah, I, I'm fine with this one. Um, I just, my thing is, I don't like the, the fact that your hands are underneath. That, yeah, that's, my, that's my fine. my big issue. Sure. There. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. But one of the funniest parts is like when you're moving your your hitting piece around and you accidentally go into your goal and you're stuck there. And <laughs> you see the people like, oh, no, and they start shaking it and trying to get it out. Like, that's hilarious. Because it's, it's raised up maybe, like, I don't know, a quarter of an inch. Just enough room to, like, really mess with people. Classic is so good. This was my number 119 before this. And it every, I, every time I play it, I just love it again. It's one of my one of my favorite dexterity games of all time. I don't know if it's one of the highest on my list, but I know it's just just by that alone. I want to go play it just by describing it. So that was my number fifty-seven. I, I don't believe you. Uh, my number fifty-seven is actually. It's funny. I'm going through writing the list down and looking through it, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't have to go look these up. These are all new to the list. Yep. <laughs> a lot of these are new to the list. I have to look up a couple, but. This one particularly is relatively new to the list because I think we played this game right before we made the list, the rankings. Really? It was literally it's one of already your, this high up. Yeah, it was one of your Cult picks. Cult of the New up here. Wait, yeah. one of my picks even? Yeah. Was it owned by somebody else and I just happened to pick it? Or? No, no. You're the only one that owns it in our group. But so, I enjoyed the mess wow, of this game. Wow, so this was a few months ago. Well, not even. It was like January, a month ago. And this was my pick. I think it was like your first pick of the month. And we played this one specifically because it was just the three of us. We didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to torture our friend Gamehead Geek. Okay, so it's trick taking. 
Wait, what did I play that Cat in the Box? Cat in the Box. I... Honestly, I think this could go higher if I get a copy for myself and play it more. Because my wife's a fan of trick-taking. Our other friends are fans of trick-taking. We love, um, like, Little Devils. We loved playing the Ghost of Christmas. How does it compare to Ghost of Christmas? Do you think this is better? Um, I could tell you. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't mean to derail you. I just don't know. I don't want spoilers, necessarily. I just don't know. Uh, yes, Ghost of Christmas did not make my list, so... I like this one more than... I like Ghost of Christmas and what it does, because you're playing into three uh, fields. Mm -hmm. But I just love the way Cat in the Box, you're like, well, I don't... I got a six here, and I'm forced to play a six here, but I don't want to play in blue, because the blue six, and I don't want to create a paradox, so I'm going to have to go offsuit, but now I can't play blue anymore. (laughs) I love that little brain burner aspect of it. And it just... It makes me laugh. I have we had a blast doing it because you're just like I, I just you're a brainless It's so hurting. bizarre, yeah. But it was once we started really getting into it. It's like okay, I know kind of what you have in your hand because we've been showing each other yeah. kind of how their hands are working. It's like okay, no, and then you were yelling at me, "Don't play another two, don't, don't play." When <laughs> there was already three out on the board, I had two in my hand. Don't you play that too? Because you're never going to play one card in your hand, but you're right. always going to be forced to play. Because I think you get, what, a hand of six, I think it is, but you're going to play five cards out or something like that for a trick. Right. Yeah, I love this game. It was so, so much fun. Uh, my number 57, Cat in the Box. Well, I don't know where it is ranked on mine, but oh well. I'll figure it out another time. Cat in the Box. It is not higher up on my list. I know that. I, I think... Even though I owned it, I think I liked it the least out of all of us. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and it wasn't bad. I mean, it was cool, and I love. I always love games that are off the wall like that. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to stay in my collection. All right, number fifty-six. You ready? Number fifty-six. I'll be starting us off again. This is an abstract strategy in its purest form. There is no random one player against another player. Um, this is quite simply: you do one of two things on your turn. Either move your pawn, mm-hmm. one space, or put down a wall. Do you know which one it is? Move your pawn, one space, or put down a wall? Yep. It, it's in the, the Gip series. Nope. No, not it's the not. Gip series. No, this is in the uh, uh, Gigamic Wooden series. Oh, then no, I don't know. So it one. starts with a qua, always. <laughs> Corridor? Corridor, yes. Okay. Yeah, so it, you're basically building a maze, and these walls... Take or stand between the spaces. I think it's a nine by nine grid. Okay. Don't quote me on that, but I think it is. Um, you start on one side, your opponent starts on the other, and on your turn, you can either move or place a wall. There's a couple of restrictions on the wall. Uh, first, you can put the wall anywhere you want. You each have ten walls to choose from. Mm-hmm. And this can play up to four players, but really it's a two-player game. Um, if you are moving in the direction of, of your opponent's pawn, you can jump over that pawn. That's fine. If it so happens that there's a wall behind them, you can jump over them and move to either side. So they jumping over them helps speed up the, the movement. However, you are totally you are allowed to make any walls and any kind of extra corridors that they have to go through to get to the end. But the rule is you cannot make it impossible for them to get to the end. So the idea is you have to make a longer maze than that they that they can't or a longer maze for them than yourself okay and oftentimes that means you have to dive headfirst into the same maze and manipulate it in a way where they're just going to have they're not going to have a choice so you're making this absolute 
like terrible maze for them and they're trying to prevent you from doing it by manu by maneuvering your walls very simple but oh my goodness it is so cool it's a classic one i do believe if i'm not mistaken this was in the movie mean girls okay yeah random fact and my wife got very upset with me when she was watching it which is one of her favorite movies by the way and there's a scene where she's mm. talking no i i know i know um, I have to live with it. Um, but she was watching it one day and, and I remember I was just sitting there trying not to zone out and there's a scene where the main girl, um, or one of the main characters is talking to Tina Fey's character uh -huh. and sitting on her desk, I believe is a copy of Corridor. See, it's not a Corridor, one of the two, but I'm pretty sure Corridor. And, and when I saw that, it's like a quick second, like just right there, you see it. I was like, it cuts to the other scene. I was like, wait, wait, hold on, pause it. And she was like, what? I'm like, no, no, pause, 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 hold on, go back like 10 seconds. <laughs> and I made her rewind to that point. And I was like, I was right, it was Corridor. And she just gave me that look like, are you serious that you just made me do that? Because it, I don't know if you've ever tried rewinding 10 seconds in, in uh, Netflix, but it doesn't like it. <laughs> no, it does not. No, you can't like do that little slidey bar for 10 seconds, no. It's not like, like uh, double tap like YouTube, no. Netflix doesn't like it at all. And so we, we spent probably five minutes trying to get it to pause on that scene so I could see if it was Corridor. And that made that movie just slightly more tolerable for me. So my number 56, Corridor. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've i never played this one, but I just I don't know if I would like it. I don't like abstract strategy games. Mm -hmm. I think I own one. I have ten. Uh, no, I own two. Well, I own Goblet and I own, um, own Dyrum. Right. What or, makes this different is that a lot of abstract strategies kind of like put pieces in places mm -hmm. trying to get things in a row. And this is very much not that. This is more like an Onitama, like strategically trying to move your piece over. Okay. Yeah. So my number, we're on 56, right? 56. Uh, my number 56, I believe is not ranked. I'm going to check it right now. Mm -hmm. But it is a Thunderworks game about building Ooh. amusement parks. Oh, by the way, mine was 23. Sorry. What was that? Uh, Corridor. Oh, it just moved down? Yeah. Uh, so this one is Ten Penny Park, and Ooh, it was not ranked. I do like this game a lot. Um, I like how it's worker placement, you're, but you're also trying to promote your 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 roller coaster rides. You're trying to get the proper polyominals into place. you got to clear uh, trees from your park, and none of the cardboard pieces can actually interact with each other. They have to actually be placed on diagonals. They can't be placed next to each other. So you're trying to do a little spatial puzzle and trying to make sure you're getting the proper rides, but you're also mm -hmm. trying to meet your goal cards. And then you're trying to raise up on like your amusement or your thrill or any. There's like three tracks you're trying to raise up on. I adore this game. I need to play it more. I haven't played it in a little bit, but mm -hmm. I do, do love this game. And honestly, I've been enamored with a lot of stuff Thunderworks have been coming out. Not just the the Don, or the Ulo, the World of Ulos games, right. which is the role-player universe, but I do enjoy Cape May. I do enjoy Tenpenny Park. Uh, so I do want to try more of their stuff outside of Ulos. I love the Ulo stuff. Yeah. So This is my favorite. Um, Thunderworks? Thunderworks, yeah. It made my list at four forty-five. Four forty-five. Wow. But mind you, yeah. But it is my. I, this is the only one I own too. Yeah, that is true too. So, but yeah, uh, I do really, really enjoy this one a lot. In fact, I don't even think Kate May made my list. Um, it didn't make mine either. 
Well, yeah, because you don't own it. It wouldn't have either. <laughs> <laughs> Even I don't know why I would own it. No, it, it was fine. I like uh, Kate May a lot. It just I don't think it made my list. Let me yeah. see here where it was. So yeah, I think this is the highest outs. Yeah, uh, Kate May was 179. So this is the highest non Ulos Thunderworks game. Well, okay, very cool. All right, number 55. Now, starting with me. This one's easy. I know this one wasn't on my list before because I've only recently played it and I've already played the mess out of it. I've played it at all the player counts that you can play this game with. Mind you, there's only three player counts you can play <laughs> this game. It's a two-player only game. <laughs> there's it's a only, solitaire game. <laughs> no, there's three player counts you can play with this game. Okay. Two, three, four, mm-hmm. probably? Nope. Minimum three. Three, four, five? Uh-huh. Hmm. This is a simple straightforward deduction game. Uh, I actually showed it to you, and you really, really enjoyed it. Yep, okay. I already know what it is. And this one's Cryptid. Cryptid. Uh, yeah, no, that game is phenomenal. It is, it, I'm not surprised. Like, when it got into the top 100, I'm like, yeah. Honestly, I the only surprise I have it is that it didn't get higher. Because <laughs> I really do enjoy this game. Because everybody has one little clue, and it tells you uh, something like, Hey, uh, your clue is like it's within three spaces of a certain structure, and then someone else is saying that it can only be on a desert or a grassland or a forest. Mm-hmm. It's giving all these clues, and you were shocked that it gave enough information uh, for three players. Yeah, and I'm still not certain <laughs> it can. It, I'm still not convinced. It, it does because I've played it three players. I've, th- I've played it four players, and I have played it five players. And every single time, someone has found the spot. Because there's only oh, one no. spot in the entire game that it could be. So, because you're basically asking two... Th- you could do two things. You're going to be, hey, could it be here? And I ask you directly, and you tell me yes or no. And then someone else could be um, asking around, and we're putting information. Because every time I ask a question, I have to give information as well. So, when you're telling me, no, it can't be in that location, or maybe it can be in that location, then I have to tell you, no, where it cannot be. So, and then the next person goes, okay, he asked you a certain question, and you said maybe. And then they have to tell you, well, it can't be here. And so people are starting to clue in, especially after playing it multiple times, especially the back of the thing, it tells you what the clues can be. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, well, we know for a fact you're saying yes along these structures or these predators, and or maybe and then he's saying no and these spots near those structures so more than likely it's got to be in a territory near this structure and so it can't be desert and it can't be mountain so maybe it is forest and swamp all right well let's go over here and do that and then the last thing or the other thing you can do is like i think the creature is here and then starting with the next player they say yes or no once you get a no your turn is done. You have to give information out for everybody else. Okay. I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful game. In all honesty, if they came up with an expansion for this game, just give me more stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. More cards to set up, more cards to... Uh, or different little structures to put out there with some new clues. I think it's a phenomenal game as is. It's probably... It probably is my favorite deduction game. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, my number 55 is a dexterity game. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean, it, there, it's certainly a dexterity game. But that's not just all it is. It, n- normally, most of my dexterity games are just dexterity. No, this has more of a game to it. But it is pro- it 
the main mechanism is dexterity. And this is new to my list, however, I'm not sure if it's new because this remake is new, or if it's new because the predecessor, uh, the original, because this is the remake version of the predecessor. Mm-hmm. Um, this is by Kane Klenko, I believe. Dexterity? Yep. And it is about uh, flipping tokens onto cards. Oh, I know which one it is. It's not the flip ship. It's um, Space, Space Invaders. Invaders. Yep, Space Invaders, the board game. Mm-hmm. When w- I already really liked the idea of the original one, where you're flicking the ships, and that was on my want list for a long time, and then Space Invaders came out and did everything it could, or everything the same, except it gave us a whole board plus a, an actual joystick mechanism that launches the tokens, and actually really well, by the way. That's a really well-built token launcher. And then on top of it, it's half the price retail. So this was 212 for me. Number 212? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, it's awesome. It's Space a good game. Invaders. I like it a lot. If you like the arcade game of Space Invaders, you'll probably like this. Yeah, it, it really does kind of fit the theme for Space Invaders. In yes. fact, when he made Flip Ships, everybody called it Space Invaders, the uh, the game without being yes. Space Invaders. Exactly. And then he made Space Invaders, and everybody's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, they just needed the, the right publishing company to be able Buffalo. to print it. Yeah, Buffalo uh, Games, they they did it. I have one complaint, and it, relatively, because it's cheap. It's the boards, they, because mine has that thing where I have to keep pushing it down. Right, it doesn't fit fit flat on the table. Yeah, and for some reason. But other than that. Other than that, it's a yeah. great game. I actually own a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah, absolutely worth it. I suggest buying multiple if you see it in the wild. It's totally worth it. Show your support to Buffalo because yeah, they it's awesome. They did Buffalo a great job. has been hitting really well, especially they since did. they got that Target license. Yep, they've been doing a lot of the Phil Walker Harding games, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's done really, really exactly. Well. So that's my number fifty-five, nice and simple. Okay, Space Invaders, new to my list technically. Starting with me again, our number 54. This one was on my list last time, and it has taken a bit of a tumble. It went from 30 to 54. Um, it is still one of my favorite games. Uh, it's just, I haven't, I, we played the mess out of it for the longest time, and it just hasn't hit the table as often. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why it tumbled. Plus, a lot of these other games have just been really, really good. And I'm shocked because this designer actually has a game higher on this list. And I uh, thought like I liked segment. of this segment that mm. I thought I liked this one more. Mm. Well, I mean, you can say you do. You can swap the two. Uh, no, it, I'm playing it as it lays. All right. Fair and enough. this one is a Phil Walker Harding game. Praise be, huh? Yeah. So your 54 is a Phil Walker Harding game, and you thought you liked this one more. I mean, wow, there's a lot to choose from. Um, give me a little bit to go off of, because we have like 25 games. <laughs> Well, it's a card game. Okay, uh, not Dungeon Raiders, I don't think. Sushi Go? Nope. Just card game? Archaeology? Yep. Archaeology, really? the wow. new expedition. Yeah, it uh, tumbled. It dropped 24 spots. And like I said, I just went through Pub Meeple, and there is actually a Phil Walker Harding game higher than this game on uh, on this on this current section of the list. And I think I know which one that is. We'll find yeah, out. We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, but yeah, I do enjoy this game. I love the variability of it because mm-hmm. you can play different things. And so when you're using your treasure maps, there's different rules that you have to do because you can play the pyramids or you can play the Sphinx or the Temple or some different variations of it. I really do enjoy this game. I enjoy the mess out of it. But like I said, it's just part of the thing is it hasn't hit that table because we played the mess out of it this game i also like the fact that there's variability for player counts too 
So if you're playing with higher player counts, you just add another sets in there because you're just making sets of cards to mm -hmm. score your points. Um, the Pharaoh's Mass, much more points. There's only four of those in the deck, and if people know you're hunting it, they're going to just like, you know what, I know he's going for it. I'm just going to give it straight four points from in front of me. I love the thief cards. There's a little bit of a take that aspect. It's just a thief card. You steal one card from someone. You're yeah. usually going to steal it for someone who has a lot, or you know someone has that Pharaoh Mask, and so you're just going to be like... I'm going to take this card. Ah, oh, man, it's a pot shard. I didn't get the feral mask. <laughs> Not again. But It's um, always a pot shard. And there's stuff that goes, you could sell your cards to the market and then collect cards based on the same. So, like, if I sell that feral's mask, I can pick up, like, five pot shards or four pot shards and just play them out because five pot shards gives me a certain amount of points, mm -hmm. like 10 or 15 points. And you, you can nickel and dime this game, just sell pot shards and I think think it's like broken tablets and there's one mm -hmm. other one yeah. and still have a chance to win the game uh i do like the fact that the the storm forces everybody to discard uh cards uh half rounded down so if you have three cards you only round discard one and you could save through the tent <laughs> that's a really meaningful choice yeah yeah so there's a lot of good choices in this game um we talk about it a lot on this podcast so I'm not going to go too much more, but yeah, I'm just shocked that <laughs> it's fallen this far. Who, who knew that a Phil Walker Harding would be on your list? Oh, who knew? Who knew? Let's see. My number 54 is a Phil Walker Harding game. <laughs> and it's his other Egyptian game. Imhotep. Yeah, Imhotep. Um, yeah. I mean, for all the same reasons, even though it's a very different game, I like how it's kind of like a Sushi Go the board game in a way is Imhotep. You're either getting these wooden, these wooden cubes, which are massive wooden cubes, by the way. They're awesome. Or you're sending them on boats, or you're sailing the ships to unload into the different types, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be a tomb, an obelisk, temples, uh, ports, so you can buy and tra trade cards. I think it's a brilliant game. It adds a lot of um, that standardized stuff that Phil Walker Harding is known for, like different ways to score points, different efficient ways of doing it, but adding in that ability of when do you take extra cubes, when do you send one of your cubes to a ship, where do you put them in the ship, mm -hmm. um, which, uh, hmm. when you choose to sail a ship, which, by the way, you can sail a ship that has nothing to do with your pieces. Pieces, like, yeah, you can just screw someone over. Because they have here. enough, and you're like, you know what, I want this to go there. <laughs> because each location can only hold one ship each, yep. so... Uh, Imhotep, yeah, it has and so much I great stuff going for it. If like Danny is setting himself up for to go over here and you know mm -hmm. take control of uh, what is it, the temple or something like that, where yep. you, you have so many in there, I can be like, no, you're gonna go shopping instead. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm just gonna sail your ship and sail your ship and sail your ship. Okay, <laughs> um, that to spoil it, but I, I know it didn't make my list. Uh, neither did Imhotep. I don't even know where it was at. But what about the duel? Did this make your list, or do you like this one better than Imhotep the duel? Um, I think the duel ranked lower, if I'm not mistaken. I do very much like Imhotep the duel, but I do believe it ranked lower than this. Yeah, so Imhotep for me was 187. Yeah, I don't know where mine was. And Imhotep the duel was 239, so I like this one uh, a whole lot more than Imhotep the duel. No, don't get me wrong, Imhotep the duel is fine. But yeah, this one is a much better... This did drop three places from 51 last time. That's not too bad, though. No. Especially since so... you had to do like 800 and some games. Yep. Only three-point drop is not It stood bad. true. Yeah. yeah. Very good. All right, moving to our number 53. 53. Starting with you? Starting with me. My 53 is a two-player game, part of the Cosmos two-player line. I really, really love this game. It's not the one you hate. It dropped from number 34. Which one? Uh, it's not the one you hate, but it's from the Cosmos two-player line. Targi? No. 
Then I don't know what the one I hate is. This one has a bunch of islands on it. It's an archipelago where you're building bridges. Kahuna? Kahuna. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, you... I don't like this one. Yeah, I know you don't like it. You don't like a lot of the two... Cosmos two-player line. No. I you like Targi. I like Targi. And then what is the other one? Isn't the the Stefan Feld one yes. the, uh, two-player? I think, yeah. For Cosmo? Yeah, the Pillars yeah. of the Earth one? Pillars I like that one a lot, too. Yeah. Well, it's because Stefan Feld, of oh, course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, it's phenomenal. Um, I think it was like Asante, the new one. That's that, what I heard. I got, yeah. Uh, but no, uh, this one, Kahuna... The idea of what you're doing is you're getting a card that has an island on it. When you, each of these 12 islands have a number of bridges branching off from them into other islands on the board. When you play a card, you're going to be playing a bridge from uh, your island that you play it. So let's say I, I put it on Fa, which is F-A-A-A. I can put it on that island, put a bridge branching from that one to any others. As soon as I have a majority of the bridges, um, so like let's say if there was four branches away from it, and I have three or more of those bridges built, then I gain control of that island. Okay. However, when I gain control of the island, immediately all of my opponent's bridges break from that island, which may cause cascading of losing control of other islands because every island or every bridge needs two islands to connect to. I could also play two cards potentially to destroy a bridge from another player as well to help prevent those majorities. Okay. Uh, it plays over three rounds, and what makes it really interesting is that the first round, whoever has the most islands controlled, one point. Second round, two points. Third round, the final round, it's not three as you would assume. It is the player who has the most islands scores a number of points equal to how many more islands they yeah. control. Yeah. So that means that if, if I play poorly... Or, I guess, strategically at the first two rounds, and you win it, you have three points. I have a long way to go to get four or more, yeah. but it is definitely doable if I get really great that last round. Yeah. And it gives players that little thing, because if, you, if you're doing that good already, then you've probably expended a lot of your resources. Mm -hmm. And it's a really smart game. Great great little components. All you just have is sticks of different colors, little uh, tick marks, or little um, circle discs. That have little handprints on them, and um, yeah, a board and some cards, and that's all it needs. It works really well. Uh, I like it a lot. That's Kahuna. My number fifty-three. My number fifty-three is a new game to the list, and it's another one that's recently been played. Uh, the, I knew this was going to make my top one hundred after we played it because I was very enamored with this game, and I lost this game. I lost this game. And this one is a worker placement game. Okay. But it's an old worker placement game. It's fun to lose, huh? Mm-hmm. 2012 is the year. 2012. Oh, yes. Was this, um, with years? Yeah. Zolkin. Is Zolkin, yes. the Mayan calendar. I really, really enjoyed that play into the fact that I wanted to get to the table again just because mm -hmm. it was it was that fun. I love the... The, you have two jobs. You can put a worker out or you can pull up workers. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. That's your entire turn. You're going through, what is it, like a full year or something like that, like 12 turns of the gears. Mm -hmm. And every turn, when your workers are out there, it increases their abilities. Yeah. Uh, gives you more powerful to take them away from. I like the fact that you got to pay corn if you want to put two workers on the board it's like okay i'm gonna put this worker here and then i want to put this worker here but i gotta pay the corn cost for the extra worker plus the corn cost for where that 
worker is going. So if it's going into a third mm -hmm. slot, it's like plus two. So you got to make sure you have all your corn. And then when you get to a certain point, you got to make sure you have enough corn because you got to feed your people <laughs> or else you anger the gods. Right. And I just love all the stuff that's going in there because you're playing uh, who's going higher on the um, the gods track or who is yeah. playing uh, trying to get to the crystal skull so they can play on the other thing to get just points straight up. Yeah. Or, you know, trying to get resources, but there's only so much there. And if you burn down a forest, you're going to anger the gods just to go for that, that, uh, the corn there. Well, you know what? Let me just collect the wood here. And then hopefully soon I can start putting, uh, some, right. take some corn resources and stuff like that. Or, you know what? Let's push this over here. This way, when I do take corn, I can take extra corn. Right. Or if I take a resource, I can take an extra resource of this type or stuff like that. There's so much going on. This is probably my favorite tea game. Uh, in fact, yeah. I think so, because I think Tia Tawakin was in 900s. I would say it's mine, too. 90s. Yeah, I probably like this one. And I had just played it like seven or eight years ago for the first time. Yeah, and it's just, it's, yeah, Tia Tawakin was 62. So, yeah, yeah, this one moved way ahead of Tia Tawakin in the, what, 53? So, mm -hmm. not way ahead, but... I've had Taya to walk in a lot longer than Zolkin. I just recently played Zolkin, and honestly, because of that worker placement, it's probably going to, it might climb more if I play it more. Very cool. Awesome. Number 52. To me. You okay? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, this is another what? new one to the list, and speaking of worker placements, I don't know if you've played this one, though. I haven't. Uh, this one is cutesy animals preparing for winter, and you have different, oh no, I think you did play this one. Because you, you're beholden to dice rolls in a sense, but you're, um, it's a worker placement where you have to have certain number of dice, but there's always some that everybody share, and then you have your own personal dice. And so you're, you know what the, the everybody shared dice is, but you don't know what you have rolled yet. So you're putting your workers out there, hoping you roll good on your dice rolls this way, because I can use this four and this two over here, and then I can collect this resources there. This one is Creature Comforts. Nope, I have not played this yeah, one. Yeah, I have not played this one. Okay. I'm uh, not saying none of that was making any sense. Sounds like Everdell with random. In a sense, it's worker placement. So what happens is everybody on the whoever's the first player for that round, they roll two white dice, and then they put it on the hill. The white dice, everybody has to use those pips. Um, so say someone rolls a four and a three. Okay. Well, you can use the three to go to this location or the four to go to this location. And then you, use, you roll your dice and you roll a six, a five, and a one or something like that. I don't remember exactly how many dice there are. And then you can use those dice for different locations. But okay. before you roll your dice, you have to roll or place your workers out there in turn order. So say Dom rolls the white dice. We know it's a four and a three. And then starting with him, he places his worker out there because he knows there's a four there. So he can place his worker there. And then I'm like, okay, I know I can use the three here and the four here. And sometimes they're closed off, sometimes they're not. It just depends on the location. Sure. It's it's really, really good. And all you're trying to do is your, your creatures trying to have a comfortable life going into winter. Because we got to go hibernation, yeah. it's going to be super cold. Sure. And so um, it's like Everdell when it comes to, like, there. there's an inn, there's, like, different resources, there's gardens and stuff like that. But it's, I, I do have to get you to play this one. I think you might actually like it because you're going into the workers' basement spots and you're hoping, hoping you roll yeah. at least good because it's some some yeah. of them needs like you got to do four or under or um, you have to have 
unequal numbered dice and stuff okay. like that. So they have different ways you have to use these dice, and you only have like three or four workers that you're putting out anyways. Okay. And so, and even then, if you don't succeed, you don't go home with nothing. Because if uh, it's called lessons learned, and you get something that can modify dice, it adds a plus one or minus one to the die. So, okay, cool. So you th- it, it's fun. It's a really good game. It's really cute. Uh, in fact, I back the uh, Kickstarter for its successor, Maple Valley. So we'll see what happens with that one. But yeah, I do enjoy Creature Comforts. It's like right behind your shoulder too. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Um, no, that, I mean it sounds fun. No, it's a good game. I yeah. like it a lot. My number 52 is uh, probably one, if not the most played game, one of the most played games I have. It dropped from number 36 um, earlier on my list. Uh, and just because I, I don't know why it dropped. <laughs> it just it happens like that. It just <laughs> happened. But there's a really great app for this. And it plays in about 10 minutes. Oh, uh, Onitama? Uh, no. No. Onitama? Oh, sorry. Oniram. Oniram. Yes. From Impatience Games. Um, absolutely brilliant design. I just, I've played it so much. I think that's the only reason it dropped a little bit. And there's a lot of good games that just jumped ahead. Just that are newer and fresher. But no, I, I still come back to this all the time. I love the expansions that they included. I, the only, the only argument I have about any of the Oni, or any of Onitama. Uh, they got me saying it. Any, any Oniram. part of Oniram. The only part that I complain about it. It has nothing to do with the game design. It's the people who developed the app stopped after the third module. Yeah. And there's seven in the game. Huh, I, I wish they it. added more. I that, didn't even rank it, but it might be because I don't, I've played the app so much and I don't log app plays. I do most of the time. I, I don't log app plays at all. Or else Ascension would be my most played game of all time. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. This is probably my, my second most played game of all time. Probably. I say second because I've played Magic throughout most of my life. So, yeah. The so, second yeah. to that. It didn't even make my list because yeah. I, I guess because it's not logged on my right. BGG. So. One of my favorite solo games of all time, Oniram. It phenomenal. It's a solid. If it was actually logged and I have played it yeah. uh, in my system, it probably would have been in my top 100 as well because yeah. it's a phenomenal So it's game. counted as a crossover. No. <laughs> we don't know <laughs> it that. Doesn't, nope, it's not. Nope, doesn't count. All right, number 51. Number 51. To All you. right. This, guy, this, one, this flip has been nice lately. <laughs> it has. It's been very fair. Uh, this is a brand new game to me. Um, I've owned three of the games in the series, and this is new new as of this year or maybe last year. Um, it... it after I played it once, it became my favorite in the series. There's three of them. They're not. Tr- it's not a trilogy of games. They're just all based on the same system. And this is probably my highest ranked Antoine Bowser game. Yeah, I, I, the only one I could think... Oh, it's Seven Wonders Architect. That's right. Seven Wonders <laughs> Architect. That's so good. It took already a decent game. And I say decent, I don't tend to like Seven Wonders that much. Yeah, Seven um, Wonders is not... It, it's fine. It's a, yeah. like if other people want to play it. I just think it's sure. too convoluted for it, what it does. It 100% is. And see, here's the thing. I remember back in my day when mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, Seven Wonders is the best of the best. And then... And I already didn't like it that much back then. Mm-hmm. Like I, I tolerated it. It was fine. But when Seven Wonders came out, Seven Wonders Duel... I was like, no, this is already way better. And even then, it's probably not enough to meet my top 100. But this one, 
when this came out, yeah, this one's... I appreciate an elegant design <laughs> above everything else. If you have something streamlined, succinct, and functionally really good, this is almost like if Phil Walker Harding designed a Seven Wonders game. Yeah. That's how I figure this is. Because it's so smart, it's so elegant. If you like Phil Walker Harding games, I wouldn't suggest Seven Wonders, the original Seven Wonders Duel, but I would suggest this one. Yeah, no, this one's a good one. I'm trying to see why I can't find it on my list. I thought I already said it. No, it's 116. 116. Yep, just barely. That's my number 51. Seven Wonders Architects. Phenomenal game. Great components, too. Oh, yeah. It's it's so easy to set up, too. Yep. It's just like you pick your uh, wonder. Mm -hmm. You have your cards. You shuffle your cards. You put them to your left. Yep. (laughs) And someone shuffles the stuff in the middle. Exactly. Easy. Easy, easy. Yeah, so what was that number? 51. 51. 51 is a game that I've had for a while. was on my list last time, and this is actually a climb. It originally was number 67. Ooh, okay, not too much, but yeah, it's good but, that it stood the test of time. I though. mean, there's 44 games that dropped out and 44 that came yeah. in. So yeah. uh, this one is probably, I have to check my thing, but I think this is probably my favorite Bruno Cathala game. Ooh. Can you take a guess what it's going to be? Favorite Bruno Cathala. I mean, that doesn't limit it down too much because he's made a lot. He does. Um, it's pretty much a card game that's big. Abyss? Yep. Abyss is uh, my number. Card game, but big. I can't believe I figured <laughs> it out with that clue. Huh? With that clue, I can't believe I figured it out. It's a card game, but big. In all honesty, it is a card game because you're. Uh, there's three parts that you're basically. No, you're 100 percent right. That's the <laughs> vaguest clue. How would I ever figure that out? But yet I know. Because Bruno Cathala doesn't really do card games. <laughs> Just messing with you. Uh, honestly, I was like, saying Bruno Fiduti doesn't do card games. Yeah, Bruno Fiduti does too many. Other saying Richard Garfield doesn't do card games. That's all Richard Garfield did in the early <laughs> all the CCGs time. in the uh, early nineties and aughts. Yep. Richard Garfield. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, this is probably my favorite. I was trying to look at my list. I don't think there is one higher than this. Uh, I will correct myself if I do see it, but it's real simple. One of his older games is, what, 2015, something like that? Yeah. You're basically, yeah, there's a little pusher-like aspect. You're flipping cards over, and then everybody can auction off on it. If someone takes it, they pay you the pearl directly. Then you flip another card, and you keep doing that until someone says, you know what, no, and then you take uh, that card specifically, and all the other cards go into gotcha. uh face-down pile. Mm-hmm. And then, or instead of doing the push your luck aspect of it, because there's going to be some things you got to fight and stuff like that, so you can choose to fight or not, and you can keep pushing your luck. Um, the creatures are that don't get picked; they go to face down at the um, the bottom because they all have a strength card and they all have a class that they go to. They go into those specific piles, and so sometimes you're just waiting. Okay, there's like four cards in there, and I know there's a three in there. Let me go just grab that. Because you're using these cards to buy yourself a leader. And gotcha. the leaders out there um, can help you do special powers or get you some keys that you need because you need three, I think it's three locations for you to win the game. Keys unlock locations for you. Gotcha. Once you get enough keys, uh, which is, I think, three keys, you have to. There's no if ands, or buts about it. You have to take a location and you flip one. 
or a couple, and you look at them, and you're like, okay, I want this one instead, and you do that, pay your three keys, they give you a special power, but because your leaders have keys on them, basically when you use them, they lock that power, so it's kind of like, how do I do this properly, because this guy has a really cool power, but I don't want to lose his key, but yeah, no, I really adore this game, in fact, um, I think it's one of my picks for tomorrow, um, after Freedom, if we have time, I'll probably play that one. I am looking very much forward to freedom. <laughs> freedom. So, freedom. By number 51, Abyss, uh, climbing from 67. And that's significant. That is very significant. All right. Number 50. Did you say you're 51? I did. That was Seven Wonders Architects. Ah, uh, it's Architects, yep. Who's starting this one? You. So my number 50 is another one that's new to the list. Surprise, surprise. This one is really, for me, the Seven Wonders Killer. Not Seven Wonders Architect, but when it comes to a drafting game, this is the Seven Wonders Killer for me. Yeah, every drafting game. Right. No, no, but this one specifically, because I loved this one so much, I went out and bought myself a copy. This is a damn it Dom game. But in one of our memes, it's right behind your head. I know, yes, I know what it is. Yes, um, it's a wonderful world. It's a wonderful world. It yes. is a great, great drafting game. It plays pretty quickly. It's not as quick as, say, Seven yeah. Wonders, but I love what it's doing. You have like This these... did Seven Wonders correctly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because I don't have to be reliant on you guys. I don't need to buy resources for you guys for right. me to get my stuff. I got this, I got this, I got this. Okay, now I can get this. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. It combos very well. If I draft this card and do this, well, I don't want to spend for this card, so I'll just use this to give me resources instead. Yep. I loved everything about this game. Um, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal game. I do want to try the two-player version of it. It's a wonderful kingdom. Yeah. Just because I want to see how it does. Seven Wonders Duel did a heck of a job for two-player drafting games. Mm-hmm. I want to see what oh, It's a Wonderful Kingdom does different for that aspect of it. But yeah, right. no, this one is by far probably one of my favorite drafting games. It's not my favorite because I know there's another one that's coming up. Right. But it did it so well. Pure drafting, this is great. Yeah, and what what this does so cool, one of my favorite parts about it, is that when you are able to play certain cards, that might trigger benefits later in the round, Mm -hmm. and you have to account for that. That's the cool part. Yeah. It's like, Uh, yeah, now I have enough to build this, which will now get me this benefit. That that was fun. It's a really, really smart game. Really, really smart. I love this game a lot. In fact, like I said, I had to go buy myself a copy of it. Right. So my number 50, uh, I can't believe we're already halfway. My number 50 is another game that's all about those crazy combos. And it's not so much drafting because you have to spend your resources to do it. There's four different resources and they're all just different colors of the same resource. Mm-hmm. This is another Phil Walker Harding. Gizmos? Gizmos. Yep. Combotastic. Is this our number six? Mm, I don't remember. I don't remember. Let me check. Yeah. Go ahead and talk so about it. While Gizmos. The way Gizmos works is very simple. You have a little device that uh, you are going to be taking marbles from. When you take a m- yep. certain marbles, you can spend it to buy gizmos. These gizmos will give you abilities to either get other marbles, get random ones, combo again. And it starts off being very simple, where you're just getting a marble. That's it. Your turn's done. Maybe get another marble. But then eventually you start getting turns where like, all right, well, I'll pick this black marble so I can also get a blue one. Or I'm going to pick up this yellow one so I can get a random marble. And now that I can build a blue one, I get to take another marble, which will let me do another build. And it starts comboing and comboing and comboing from there. Mm-hmm. To the point where 
it always ends right before you're about to hit that epic, like, I take five minutes for my turn kind of combo, where everything just triggers everything else. Yeah. No, this, you you quite literally, like, it will end so short, it, it will almost be unsatisfying, but... It, it keeps it from getting out of hand too much, which yeah. I, I appreciate. I, the money, like I said, when I talked about it, it was my 67, I believe. So, yeah. um, it just, it's not really great at a two-player. Yeah. But otherwise, I love this I game. mean, I think it's fine at a two-player, but I get why you don't. It just doesn't cycle well right. enough, but everything else about this game is phenomenal. Yeah. I really love playing it at three and four, because yeah. I've played it four players with my wife and our friends, um, and it, it goes down really well, because mm-hmm. it's just like bing, bing, boom. And my turn is done now. That's right. Four hours later. <laughs> this also dropped a little bit from 42. Yeah, so, so not too bad. All right, number 49. Yeah. I'll start us off. This one climbed a little bit from 69 last time. Nice. And that's because every time I've played it, I, I forget how fun it actually is. And then I play it again. I'm like, man, this is still really good. Yeah. And every time I play it, it kind of frustrates me because it shouldn't be as good as it is. Because this game is over 3,000 years old. Senate? Senate. This is the oldest known board game to exist. Um, this was before dice were invented. You roll sticks. You're, it's the ancient Egyptian game, uh, yep. King Tut's game, whatever you want to call it. But they they made the rules where... If you if you're familiar with stuff like backgammon or Parcheesi mm-hmm. and stuff, those are fine. It plays like that. But what sets Senate apart from all of the others is the fact that you and your opponent are right there, right in each other's business the entire game. Mm-hmm. And as your the whole goal is to get all five of your pieces off the board, or seven if you're playing with the full version, and the first one to do that wins. But every piece you get off, that's one fewer piece you have an option of moving. So if I'm doing this, I'm moving this piece. Well, okay, I'm stuck. Now I might have to jump in the river, which will jump me halfway back on the board, which is awful. But I put myself in that predicament where I couldn't do another move. Mm-hmm. And and when two or more of, of similar pieces are next to each other, they block. So they're safe. So that's similar to like stacking and backgammon. It, it's absolutely smart how it works. I love how it works. It it sounds every time you roll a one, a four, or a five with the four with the four sticks, you get a bonus turn after that, mm-hmm. which sounds completely broken, and it does right. And it, I haven't figured out why it doesn't doesn't <laughs> get broken. But every time I've played this, it has been an absolute nail biter. Well, I think the big part the of it, why it is because it's the the colored side is the numbers, right? Basically, if you roll the light side, no, it's the white side. The, yeah. Well, basically, it's the white side. Yes. Because the black side is where it's rolled. Yeah, and it's curved, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a half, That's why it's a half a one. cylinder, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, the number of uh, blank sides, which are, like, the flat side, the number of those that stick up, that's one for each of those, unless they're all four down, and then it's a five. Mm-hmm. So you never roll a zero, unless yeah. you just can't But that's, that's what I'm pieces. saying, is that why you get that extra turn, because of the fact that it's curved? Oh, yeah. No, it, it's very unlikely. I, yeah. I get that. But, like, you would think that if you... In any other game of a board that only has 30 spaces, if you roll a 4, then a 5, and then another 5, that's half of the board right there. <laughs> you would think that you just won immediately. It it That happens in this game often, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you're going to win. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this. Every time I play it, 
is just a nail biter right down to the end. It's always neck and neck. It always goes over well. I haven't met anybody who genuinely disliked it. I know some people like you. Have you played this one? I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's, it's like you're. It's, it's not good. my favorite of the the old style games. I right. like it. It's fine. Uh, the only other ones I played is like chess, and then um, yeah, I'll take this over chess any day. Parcheesi. I like Parcheesi a lot. Parcheesi is cool. I but the fact that you start on the other side of the board that's that's the thing. Yeah. That game, and once you cross each other, it's boring. Yeah. Like the doubling die is the only thing that's worth. Yeah. Worth it or not. I've but. only played backgammon once in my entire life, and I really don't want to again. Yeah, I, and I don't blame you. Like, it takes a lot of those same things. Yeah. And Parcheesi takes the same thing, except since you're on opposite sides of the board, yeah, you're going in the same direction, and you're overlapping each yeah. other, but you start off so far away. No, I, I, you're I also, right up in each other's business. I also like my copy of Parcheesi because it's little elephants. Which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But I, I love it. Senate doesn't get much better. All right, so my number 49. Uh, in fact, I'm doing a run of Damn It Dome games right now. So oh, that's, I started that's with, this theme today. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was uh, It's a Wonderful World. That was the first mm-hmm. one. Yep. This one is another one that uh, I liked it so much, I had to pre-order a copy of it because I really, really enjoy it. Okay. And it is a polynomial game, uh, but it has such a beautiful, beautiful aspect to the game where you make a decision forcing other players to use pieces they might not want to use. Mm-hmm. It's Planet Unknown. Yep. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal it game. Really was uh, good. It's so good that both you and me are like, huh. Hmm. Ah, and he's like rotating. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. You suck. Why <laughs> did you give me that piece? I don't need that piece because I need to do this where I can move these right. things and these don't have the, 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 the types that I need for I can move up on this track over here. Yep. Um, I love the asymmetric play because you don't have to play asymm- a, uh, asymmetry because you can just play the basic stuff and yep. that's fine. But I love the fact that my my company did something totally different than your company. Mm-hmm. My planet had certain specific rules that your planet had a whole different type of rule. It was so, so much fun. I really do enjoy this one. I've played it a couple times since then. And every time I showed it, it's gone down well with people. So I love this game. And it has probably one of my favorite components that I want to see more in games with the Lazy Susan. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that works so well. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and it, what I like about it is like, hmm, well, I'm going to take this one. And you're looking at me like, dude, come on. No. <laughs> really? Or, you know what? I like where I'm at, so I'm going to leave it there. No, I needed you to move it. <laughs> because now... Yeah. It's in-game, because I can't place a piece. Yep. <laughs> I love it. So good. Planet Unknown. Cool. Good choice. All right, on to our number... What 48. number is this? 48. Wow. Who who thought that we'd be this far already? Yep. Starting with me. Stuff. And this is the third straight Damn It Dom game. Uh, and this one, I, I, there's a reason why it's pretty high uh, for relatively new. It's quick. It's simple, and it's very, very fun. It has a lot of variability based on the cards, and it's what, what makes it so simple is you're doing one thing. You're drafting a tile, and you're drafting an animal. Mm, yep. Cascadia. Cascadia. Yeah, yep. and, and it's funny because we played another version of it uh, where it was more complicated with plants and stuff like that. I can't remember. Verdant. Verdant. And I'm just like, yeah, that's yeah, fine, different. but man, Did you Cascadia. ever play the cat one? Um, no, Calico? I haven't played Calico. It, yeah, 
I, I don't think you would like it as much as the others either. Yeah, because Cascadia is so good. It's real it simple. Is. And you just turn in a piece if you're like, okay, it's like a leaf or an acorn or something like that. And you can mm-hmm. turn that on and be like, I'm going to take this tile and yeah. take that animal over there. It, it's really simple. It, and you're trying to score your animals in a certain way. So, like, bears need to be in a certain grouping, surrounded by other animals. Um, your falcons need to have line of sight of each other. Mm-hmm. And they just play differently. You need to get a nice little salmon run going, and they need to be surrounded by other things, or just your longest salmon run is what it's going to score. If it's like five straight salmons, but they're not in a straight line, they have to be kind of off-kiltered. And the variability of this game is so much fun. Um, And it's really well-produced for as inexpensive as it is. It's like $30, $40, something like that. It's not super expensive. I think Flat Out knocked it out of the park with this game. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it really is. This is one of the only games I ever bought before the Spiel des Jahres knowing that it was going to win. Because I didn't know it was going to win, but I was like, you I really would be very surprised though. if it didn't win. You were really hoping, though. You're like, yeah. Because you, you, you put all your money in the bag. You bought it. Like, is, this is going to be the Spiel winner, but then you're like, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Pretty sure. Now, granted, that I also hadn't played the other two yet. Two, yeah. But, but you just by the, the research. Other, one of the other oh, ones. Scout, I adore now. Yeah. Oh, man, I think I might like Scout more, but I think Cascadia is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, so good. Yeah. All right, so my number 48 was a game that, uh, honestly, it should be higher. But there's one very reason why it is lower. It used to be my number 35, now it's 48, and it's dropped because I haven't played it even since the last list. Hmm. There's a game you taught me. Well, that narrows it down. And I guarantee it's going to be a crossover. Okay. That doesn't. It has a twenty-two pound box. Twenty-two. Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven. Huh. I didn't even know you had this up that. (laughs) Forty-eight. Nice. I like Gloomhaven a lot. I've played it three times. Nice. I don't blame you. That's all I can say about it. Like it. It's frustrating because when I got it before the lockdown, and my in-laws bought it for me as a birthday gift. Yep. Which is, I mean, that's phenomenal that they... Wait, wait, that's just even funny, because you don't really celebrate your birthday. No, I don't. <laughs> and the fact that they got me this game that I was so, so excited to play. And you taught me, and you came over that day, and I was like, man, this is so good. I can't wait to get into this. And then my son, like, he finally got old enough to play it, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to ease him in. Let's get Jaws of the Lion. He, We played it three times, so four times total. Mm-hmm. And that was it. He knew, he didn't want to play it after that, so now I have permanently lost my my buddy on playing it. Well, I mean, if we can find time, I'll play it with you. I love the game. So <laughs> fair enough. anyway, no, it yeah, it's a great game. But I you're going to talk about it way more later on. <clears throat> Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> I'm just guessing, but Gloomhaven is my number forty eight. Awesome game. Wait, that was our forty eight. Oh yeah, because I started right. That's right. So our number forty seven. Back to me. Yep. All right, my number 47 is a game I adore, but it's fallen because I just haven't played it that much, and there's another game kind of like this that I just play more mm-hmm. because it's a little bit simpler. Okay. It's actually in the top 100, and you want me to teach you this game. Ooh, okay. I mean, there's quite a few. And so this is One of my a 37. It was originally 33. Oh. It has dropped to 47. It's a card game. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yes. Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror OCG. 
or the card game. Uh, it's it's a good game. It's a great game. Uh, especially now, it's so much easier to get into because what yeah. they're doing is they're releasing player packs and then they're releasing the story packs. How long does an average uh, game of a play? Uh, probably, if it's your first play, it's probably going to be about an hour. Yeah. If you're used to how it works, it just depends. The first scenario stuff, 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. if not a little quicker once you get used to it but because the reason why this one is a lot harder than say marvel champions Mm -hmm. is because you're investigating you're going to different locations and they're tied to a certain way so like if i go here but i gotta go here and then the mythos phase happen and the bad guys start popping up based on card pulls and stuff like that where is in marvel champions i do this boom 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 bad stuff and then it goes to someone else's turn whereas arkham horror is like this this then this happens, and then we can restart again. This, this, this happens, but just all those steps take a little bit longer than Marvel's Champions, where it's like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to punch that guy, and I'm done. Yeah. And, and kaboom. And, kaboom. and yet somehow the, the turns still seem way too long. Uh, they don't seem that long, uh, but I do really, really enjoy Arkham Horror as a solo game. Yeah. The most I'll ever play this game is with two people. And that honestly, that's how I prefer Marvel Champions as well, and we'll talk about that maybe later. But just on my list, you won't. <laughs> but spoilers. The, but the fact is, um, these living card games. The more players you add to them, the longer they get. So like, Arkham yes. Horror, great solo game. Even it's if like you an hour it, per player, almost in a sense, yeah. Yeah. So I I pretty much enjoy playing it solo. I have played it two players, and I I like it at two players. It's fine, but I would not play it with three or four players because at two players it'll take about an hour to play a scenario. Yeah. Uh, basically 30 minutes per player. <laughs> so, we'll see. I have to reread the rules. It's been a while. Yeah. But I do really enjoy this game. Like I said, it just it dropped because it hasn't been played. For a while there, I was stuck because I couldn't get... Uh, like, it took me forever just to finish the Dunwich Legacy. Just get all the stuff for it. Now that... And then I was like, well, now I'm stuck because I the uh, Path of Carcosa is, you know, not out there. They just reset it where... You buy this pack, and you get characters. If you buy this pack, you just get the stories, and you can use your old characters. Makes sense. So, I love this game. It's it's a great game. I just need to play it more. I, I definitely need to try this, because it's on my list. Um, 47, right? Mm-hmm. 47 is technically new to my list. And now, I don't know why it wasn't on the original list. Oh. And I think it's because it is part of a series of games. Maybe you didn't uh, own it then? No, I'm certain I did. Um, because I used to show it off a lot, and I think what I did is I combined the series into one, and just said, this is the quintessential. This is the one, yeah. But this is the third in the series of four. Three of which we all really like. <laughs> one of which we oh, know. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. I know which one. Um, is this your favorite of the three? Or... I don't think so. Okay, so, wait. Four? There's only... They just announced the fourth one, right? No, then this is something different than you. Oh, okay. I'll give you a hint. Very pretty tiles. Uh-huh. They look like Starburst. Oh, it's a soul. <laughs> I am curious to think to try to figure out what you were thinking of, but either way. Um no, yeah, this is a Zool Summer Pavilion. The third in there. The third, they okay. use rhombuses. Um there is there it still has that, that satisfying comboing. I just don't like the board layout nearly as much well, as I like that's the funny other one. That, well no, it's because the reason why I was thinking that they just announced the fourth game of another series, what I was thinking about, and I think other than our mutual friend Dom, most people disliked the third one of that series. 
It's the Forbidden the... series. Oh, I thought it was, the third one was okay. I hated the third one. Yeah, I thought it was okay. But you're right. They just announced the fourth. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about. Was that, I was like, wait. Yeah, until I said we hated the fourth one. Yeah. yeah. Queen's Garden, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was trash. Yeah, it was unpleasant. Very unpleasant. I hope they make a fifth one and then we just forget about it. Well, it's funny because, again, talking about it, uh, our mutual friend Dom, he's like the only one that's like, eh, it's fine. And everybody else is just like, well, no, our mutual friend Bryce enjoys it too. That's fine. They can. Yeah, not a fan of it. No, you and I had a terrible experience playing it, and that soured it even more for us. Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, it was it bad. Really but this was. one, Summer Pavilion, is a great one. Yeah, Summer Pavilion is awesome. <laughs> I highly recommend it. If you like, if you like either of the first two, especially if you like both of them, get the third one too. You, you'll like it. it. It's a great addition to the series. It doesn't work quite the exact same way. It does work differently because you're building like little. Uh, you know, padded star patterns, yeah. uh, flower patterns on there. They they cost different amounts, kind of like the different rows mm-hmm. in the first Azul. Yeah. But so it costs anywhere from one to six tiles. Mm-hmm. And the way you place them is like, let's say I want to place um, one of the red tiles down. Then I have to discard a total of six to place it in the sixth spot. But it's also potentially going to block off certain areas. Mm-hmm. It'll cause bonus points later on. I might surround different statues, which lets me draw bonus tiles, tiles yeah. which will let me continue to play. Yeah. And unlike previous Azul's, this is the first one where you can save tiles between turns. Mm-hmm. And so you have four little spots. You can save them from one round to another. And this was also the first one where you draft all of the tiles first, and then you start placing. So, which is unlike... Unlike the other ones before. So it does enough different, and it was refreshing, but it functionally worked really well. Yeah. As opposed to the fourth one, which took new <laughs> stuff and made it bad. So what I did for me, because like, um, with it was a series of games. Yes. So I understand why you rank them differently. Yeah. Because they play I feel like this is definitely I different just, enough. I, for me, I took the other two out and picked the one I liked the most. Yeah. And that's why I'm not even considering the fourth one, because that one was just trash. Yeah. And it was just because... Out of those four, which one would I want to play? And so that's why I was like, okay, this is gone. I don't want to rank this, and this is gone. I don't want to rank that's this. That's also why you didn't rank 850 games. <laughs> yeah. I was smart. I, I took my favorite of a series and left it. Yeah. Because uh, it's just better that way, except for, like, Blood Rage. And, and that's what I think what happened on this one. Yeah, too, okay. Is yeah, that I feel like that's probably what happened, because I did own it before. Uh, so for me, it was 175. Ooh, wow. Kind of low. Out of 400 games? No, it's not. It's in the top half. Yeah, that's or five hundred. Yeah, I was almost five hundred. That one. So right. to me or to you? Uh, the number forty-six. Have you done forty-seven no, yet? Uh, or yes, we're going to forty-six. Forty-six. Let's find out. Oh, to me, forty-six was number seventy-one last time, so it did climb up. And I think I just I haven't played it since then either. It's just it. I kept reminding myself on how much I enjoyed it. This is another speed game. Another. I think it's Kane Clenko. I'm not mistaken. I'm looking Probably. in case you have it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a speed game, and you are going to be uh, everyone's speed rolling dice in one minute to try and heal as many people as you can. This is Flatline. Okay, yeah, it was like the sequel to, to uh, Fuse. Fuse, yeah. And basically, when you lose Fuse, because that's a really difficult game, then you instead go play Flatline, <laughs> and you're trying to help the people that you just horribly disfigured. The, the big thing about it, too, is that you were saying that um, you have one minute to roll to heal people. You do have a little bit of time before you start yes. doing all that. Just to You can make game. your plans accordingly. Yeah. But those one-minute rounds <laughs> oh, are just God. absolute insanity. They're super fun. I like it a lot. 
I don't want to say too much this about is, it. This is your second clean clink or cane clinko. Yes. On this par- particular part this of the is, list. Yes. So this nice. is my cane clinko list. <laughs> or I guess it's you know I consider speed dexterity. I think it's one and the same. It's a dexterity thing. So this is really my dexterity list. Yeah, there, there's that too. Yeah, there's <laughs> been a lot of those. But either way, yeah, no, King Clinko, eventually I will get a hold of you and you will need to come on the podcast. I'll find out one way or another. All right, so my number 46 is a new one to the list, and this is a phenomenal game. You love this game. And I do. this is another Damn It Dom game. Ooh, let's see if it's on my list. It has a very, very pretty cover, but it's ugly as sin. Tech Tree, the board game. Oh, yes. Beyond the Sun. Beyond the Sun. Yes. Uh, It's a phenomenal game. I did like this one. Yeah, it's a nice little worker placement uh, that has like these little dice manipulations in a sense. Mm -hmm. And you can use them however you want. So you're building this tech tree in a sense and seeing how it goes and getting your points and scoring. It's shouldn't be as good as it is because it's just like right. really i'm just gonna do this and this and all and then i get points for that mm-hmm. but man it was so much fun that i had to go and buy myself a copy i really really enjoyed this game mind you it is going to take a little bit it is a longer game but it's so much fun i do want to get the expansion the cover is amazing and then you open the box and be like those are nice dice but that's <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah uh, but yeah, it's, it's such a phenomenal game. Uh, I implore you guys to try it at least once because you will probably be enamored with it because it's just it is fun. It's yeah. the big thing about it is like oh, and I could do this and I could do this and I could combo this and do this. And it's basically you're just building a tech tree out there. <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, my number forty six is Beyond the Sun. All right, off to our number forty fives. Forty five is your fault. Another one that is new to the list. Uh, and relatively new. This is a draft and write, but no writing is involved. What? A uh, draft and write, but no writing? Yeah. Are you drunk? No. Nope. What are you talking Gone Sean Kamitsia. Oh, wow. (laughs) Really? I love this game. It was so much fun. Really? I want to pick up myself a copy. I just can't right now because I'm getting ready to go on a trip and I need to save up. I genuinely am surprised by that. I did not think a Kamitsia would ever hit hit your top 100. Ever. I own one Kamitsia game. And it's not even in my top 100. (laughs) But, wow. This was really well done. It's really smart. It's very fast paced. Everybody's getting points. The the combos are just amazing in this game. Uh, It it forces people to hate draft, and you screw a friend over by, like, nope, you're before him, so you gotta hate draft this thing. Uh, I knew you liked this, but wow. Because it was so much fun. And the the big thing about my top 100 this this year really is about fun for me. Mm -hmm. This one, the laughs, the, the joking, the everything that we've did with this game was like the comboing and the little like I'm going to do this and then I can score this points and this points and this points and make 35 points and then stuff like that just like that is gross man <laughs> it was so much fun uh, to the point like I said I want to go pick up myself a copy yep. I just haven't been able to because in two weeks I'll be in California Oh, darn. <laughs> oh, darn. Well, we saw it on shop, so... I know. I, I almost went and bought it the, the other week, and I was like, no, I'll, I have the Kickstarter that we're in right now. Yeah. 
But yeah, uh, Millie Fiori. I don't even think I, I actually said the name. name. Oh, Millie Fiori. Fiori. So uh, Gonshan Kinesia. <laughs> yeah. Alright, my number 45, right? 45. Mm-hmm. Was number 94. Man, that's a this. nice climb. And I've had this. This is one of my oldest games in my collection. And it's it was definitely the first Cthulhu themed. Oh, it's Elder Sign. Elder Sign. Yeah, Elder <laughs> Sign. It just, again, it's one of those things I haven't even played it since then. I just remembered how much I enjoyed it, just like Flatline. It's like, man, I need to go back to my old stuff, back before I was playing all these complex Euro games and heavy strategy. and just yeah. I just want to kill things with dice for a little bit. And that definitely does that. It uses a mechanism that I like uh, from another game called Age of War, which Rainer Knizia made. And that dice mechanism where you always use either use dice or you discard dice. So either way, it's awesome. And you had Elder Sign on yours? Yeah, it was uh, 92. 92. That is number 7? Yep, that's our 7th crossover. All right, so I think I'm going to win at this pace. Now, Elder Sign, everything you said about it, I completely agree. I love it. Elder Sign, awesome stuff. Yeah, it's a really good game. Yeah, it just bumped into my top 100. In fact, did it fall? Yeah, it fell from 56, so it's been in my oh. top 100 twice. Well, there you go. All right, so moving on to our number 44. Number 44. To you? My number 44 is a game that used to be 26. Again, it dropped just a little bit. Not by much. It is by one of my now newer favorite designers and friend of the podcast, John D. Claire. Uh, this is his card crafting. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was the other one. But deck yeah, buildery, uh, probably <laughs> deck buildery shenanigans. Uh, this is Mystic Veil. Vale. Uh, yeah, I need to buy more Mystic Veil. Vale honestly, stuff. I need to play this again because I had such a bad taste the first time we played. Right. No, and and. And I know exactly why you did, and I know that that's not the normal way it's played. Mm-hmm. Like, this is supposed to be one of the... Like, it even it tells you, once you know how to press your luck, you're going to be doing that on other players' turns. Like, you, the point of your turn is for you to enable your stuff, and everyone else doesn't care because they're too busy pre- deciding whether they press their luck or not. Yeah. Because that's when they're playing. So... It, it's not that it has simultaneous play, because it doesn't, but you can do a significant portion of your turn during another player's turn. Cool. Which is pretty awesome. It has, like, turn overlap. But what this is, is you have about 20 cards in your deck. Everyone has the same deck of cards, and you're buying other cards to make the deck better, but instead of actually making your deck, or, like, buying more cards to add to your deck, like most deck builders are, this you're buying, like, clear overlays of cards. You slide it on top of the cards, and so sometimes you can add cards together that make really cool combos. You have um, abilities to make really crazy overpowered cards. You have abilities to make uh, like your deck overall just better and, and cleaned up and whatever. It, it works really well. There's a little bit of Press Your Luck. It's not so much of a Press Your Luck game. It's more of a resource management game, but it's just a brilliant system. That he used, he ended up designing it after streamlining um, Edge of Darkness into this game. Mm-hmm. And Mystic Veil vale was what came out, and it works really well. I like it a lot. That's my number 40-something, whatever we're on. Uh, 45. 45? Uh, 44. 44, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're just starting a new one. Yeah. Uh, so my number 44 was on my list originally. It only fell a few spots compared to some of these other games. It went from 39 to 44, so not that big of a fall. Yeah. 
This one is the only game I kept when we did our last sale because everybody was surprised I sold its uh, successor. Wow. And this one for me is Champions of Midgard. Yeah. This is my favorite so far of Gray Fox games. I still have to play Tsukiyumi. Yeah. Uh, but I do enjoy Gray Fox. I like Deception, Murder, and Hong Kong. Sure, yeah. But this is my favorite. This is Champions of Midgard. It's a worker placement with little dice chucking, battling, making sure you give bad things to other people <laughs> by trolling them, in a yep. sense. Uh, I think it's what? Blame? You're handing out blame, I think is what it is. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but I love this game a lot. I, I love the... It is a bit lucky. Uh, I will say caveat-wise, though, do not play it without the Valhalla expansions. The other expansion, yeah. the Dark Mountain expansion, is a great expansion. That was the first time I enjoyed playing it. it you need to play it with the Valhalla expansion because mm-hmm. it, it gives you a reason to let your dice die. Yeah. Because then you could play on the Valhalla board and buy cards that way as well. Yeah. So I think it's phenomenal. It makes the the dice chucking a lot more relevant in this game um trying to get like the different resources because oh well look my berserker died but now <laughs> i can go over here and play the uh, this stuff so yeah it's a great game i love it but uh, again a caveat it needs to be played with an expansion you can play with both but i prefer especially valhalla okay very good uh number 43 mm-hmm. to me my number 43 is new to the list, Shock. Um, this one I've been looking at and wanting to play it. It's a very, very heavy um, deck builder. Ooh, it is heavy one of, deck the, one of the heaviest deck builders I've ever played. Okay. But I love it. One, it's historical. Okay. Ish. And it's really enjoyable. I've played it both solo and two players, and I've had a great time playing this one. It's relatively newish for me. I think I got it around my birthday, I want to say, last year, and it's made it this far up the list. Have I played this one? No, you have not. Okay, that explains why I don't know it. This one is Imperium Classics or Legends. Uh-huh. Uh, it is it is a heavier game because um, you're playing in different ages. It's a civilization slash historical aspect. I prefer classics, but I do own Legends as well because the classics more true to history. Where yep. is in Legends you have like Ortho or Arthonians and stuff like that. So you have like mysticism or, and stuff like that. But yeah, you have the Celts who are all about you know forcing the game to make other people uh, basically lose because once a certain deck, I. Th- I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a bad card that goes into your deck. Mm-hmm. Once that deck runs out, the game immediately ends. And so, but the Celts don't ignore that. So, but they're also trying to force feed yeah. those to other people. And the Romans are really easy, uh, but it's phenomenal. You, like I said, you're playing in different things. And one of the things is it does differently is when your deck runs out, you don't automatically reshuffle. When you reshuffle. Uh, there's something that you can add to your deck when you reshuffle, and that's how you get further along into the next era. But you don't do it all the time. When you do draw a card into that deck and you shuffle, you put a piece over there, so the next time you have to reshuffle your deck, you're not drawing another card until that piece comes off of it. Oh, I gotcha. So there's different ways you can mitigate that. It's like, oh, look, i got to draw up, i got to reshuffle, I can put this card in here, oh, I'll do that. Because towards the end of the round, you wipe all tokens off. So that way, oh, now i got to reshuffle at the end of my turn, i get to take another card. And that's a way you can get two cards into the deck and force it faster. 
there's a lot of mitigation, but there is a lot of headiness because there's this deck, and then you're buying from this deck, and then you're pushing your luck with this deck, and these de or this card does this thing, but this card does this thing, and this card stays mm -hmm. in front of you because it's this thing, and it's heady, but it is good. It is a really, really good game. Cool. Awesome. Good choice. My number 43 is a game that was number 15, so another one that dropped quite a bit. Um, I your top 20. Out of my top 20, and the reason it dropped was because... Lack of play? <laughs> well, that... No, I've played it a, a few times, but not too many. But uh, uh, not enough, uh, apparently. But there's one there's one fundamental flaw that I see that this has compared to any other <laughs> with the same mechanism. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is it's a pool-building game. And in every other pool-building game that I play, like deck builders or whatever... Mm -hmm. Is that you go through your deck, you draw up your hand, you know, you play it out, mm -hmm. and they all go to a discard pile until eventually when when that when your deck is out, you reshuffle your discard pile. Mm -hmm. This doesn't do that. This you have all your tokens that go into the bag every single round. Oh, it's quacks. Quacks of Quedlinburg. And and everything else about the game is absolutely phenomenal, but that one little thing does irk me just a little bit, mm -hmm. which it makes sense to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, it, but that having to what everything you you buy goes straight into the bag instead of just being left off and discarded um, until that point, that makes it a little more random and a little more chaotic. But then it gets it to the fun quicker, which I think is also still kind of okay. Yeah, but. When, when, like, that immediately puts it just a little bit back behind a lot of deck builders. My, my thing about with Quacks, I, I really like it, uh, to go against what you're saying, yeah. is that it's one of the better push-your-locks aspect, because even if you bust, right. you still get something. Yes. You're not, you know, hurt too much. Right, exactly. They're starting to realize that, like, once you bust and you're completely done, mm -hmm. like... You know, that, that's not a big deal. And that's why know. I really like it, for that reason. I understand what you're saying. Right. That but was I, the only reason I think it fell yeah. below some other deck builders or pool builders that might be later on the list. Not Orleans. No, not Orleans. Oh, I did not care for that one much. <laughs> but I feel like it would have done that same thing. It, like Orleans, you at least discard your pieces to the side mm -hmm. and yeah. refill. So at least it has that function better. But everything else about it was just less fun than Quacks because Quacks is just absolute shenanigans and works really well. I would, my big thing about Quacks, and uh, like I said, a big part of this my list here is fun yes. is that um, you can egg on other players and it's just a bunch of shenanigans it's a bunch of joking it's a, it's a yes. good rip yeah. roar go go keep going keep going yeah that was my number 43 was number 15 Quacks of Quedlinburg number 42 you're starting yourself alright number 42 in the penultimate of this list uh, this technically is new to the list its predecessor wasn't on this list. It was originally mm -hmm. ranked to 20. But this version of this game, I adore. I have a great time with it. I love the characters in this one. I love what it does. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't know if it's on your list or has already been on your list or it's going to be higher on your list. I'll take but I think it's going to be a crossover if it isn't already. Uh, and this one is... Quad no. No. Battle Yahtzee. Oh, uh, Dice Throne. Dice Throne. That was on my list. Me, specifically, uh, I picked Marvel Dice Throne. Oh, that's the copy I actually own. Mm -hmm. 
Um, like I said, the original one was Dice Throne is my number 94. Number 94. So Marvel Dice Throne is my number 42. Apparently I like this game more than you do. <laughs> yep. But it's because, again, it I love Marvel. Like I was mentioning, I enjoy superhero stuff. I love comic book stuff. And they really made these characters feel like their characters. And basically, you're just matching a straight or mm -hmm. symbols, a full house symbols and stuff like that and do special powers. But I like what it does. Like uh, Miles Morales has a spider sense. So if he gets those things, you can't hit him because the spider sense is put it on you and you can't hit him. Uh, it's just, it's really well done. It's uh, a great system to the point where I'm kind of thinking about and going back and picking up some of the other, the, the re-rolled stuff. If I have extra cash later on, mm -hmm. because again, I'm going leaving for a trip soon, and then I got another trip in October, so yeah. I have to pay for a passport too. Fun, yeah. Passports are all right though; they're cool. Yeah, they're 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 not difficult, but uh, we need to get that quicker rather than sooner rather than later because it takes about eleven to twelve weeks to get your passport. At least, yeah. And we leave in October. I can tell you where to get the pictures and everything. If you want the post office. Yeah, yeah. When I, I, mean, I just have to there. I have to download the applications and fill them out and then take it to the post yeah. office. Walmart will actually do it as well. Oh, okay. They, but, at least they used to. Yeah, I don't know. They still do. But yeah, back to gaming, Marvel Dice Throne is my number 42. Awesome. My number 42 used to be number 163 nice, on my list. I think that was a fluke because this game, this goes over so well in our family. Uh, my son just started getting into it about a year ago and he really liked it. In fact, we played it last night. However, this needs to have both expansions in it. And every time I teach it to people new, um, I'll throw in both expansions. It's that easy. This game I originally bought when I used to live in Albuquerque from Walmart. And it's not a mass market game. That's what blew my mind when, they, when I first saw it. And I want to say in 2015 when I bought it. Yeah, I'm just I'm drawing a blank on this one. It's, a, it's basically like a Settlers of Catan, the card game, but you're only... Uh, resources is money. Machi Koro, come on, you know this game. Oh, yeah, well... Come on, come on. Yeah, I. you know how long yeah. it's been since I played Machi Koro? Too long. Before you moved to Albuquerque. From where? Your house, you had Machi Koro. I bought it when I moved to Albuquerque. Well, I bought it at that Walmart. Well, so maybe, it could not maybe, have been that. Maybe when you just when you just probably moved when back. I moved back. That's yeah, because my wife didn't. Yeah, because you were still at your yeah. in-laws. It's a little random, but you know, no, I, my wife didn't. I have Legacy up there. I haven't played it. It's pretty. It's okay. Yeah, I like Legacy quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, I I own all the versions of Machi Koro right now. I played Legacy. I played the original one with both expansions. I have Machi Koro two. That works really well as well. Uh, Machi Koro Bright Light Big City. They're all pretty good. I just don't have the original like Japanese version, which I think yeah. is functionally the same. But no, I mean, it's just a solid game. Your only resource is money. Um, you're trying to buy buildings, which will get you money in different ways. And those money in different ways will let you buy other buildings. First to build all of your landmarks, which is four in the base game, six or seven in the with the expansions, wins the game. It's simple. No, but no, it works really well. It's real simple, but there's games that do it a whole bunch of better, which will be showing up on your list and fell out of my list. I mean, maybe, yeah. That I there's I know there's definitely one game that does it better. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> However, this the fact that this Heck, does it so efficiently does it Demon, really well. Demons does it better and much uh, more fun. <laughs> I'm not saying it's it's not more fun, but let's summon demons is not better. 
It's better. No, it's not. More fun it's not nearly as balanced. No, not necessarily. It's functionally, it's not as good of a game. But either way, Machi Karo, that's my number forty-two <laughs> from one sixty-three. It deserved to be in one sixty-three. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I would get hate from this one, but all right, I guess I am. So no, um, I'm fine with it, but it's to me, it's like a six. Yeah. My wife, it's like a three to her. Maybe you she... need to try it with the expansions. That's probably why. No, we did play with the expansions. I remember because there was a six building and you were explaining that was an expansion. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I remember it and she's like, no, I don't like it. That's right. And I was like, eh. I mean, there, there's other games. The reason why I like it too is that unless you roll uh, like a red card, that's the only one that affects other players. That's it. Right. Oh, and purple. Even... Well, yes, but... Yeah, I like it where roll. you're paying attention to everybody's turn in something like, say, Space Fest, which didn't, uh, Space Base didn't make my list. It just bounced out. Right. And, uh, like, um, uh, Let's Summon Demons, because you're paying attention to everybody's turn. Yeah. Whereas if you don't have a red or a purple card, then you're not paying attention to other people's turn, and it takes you out. Yep. But moving to our 41. That sounds like a you problem, though. Just kidding. Number 41. To me. All right, so the last one for this week. Um, this is the higher Phil Walker Harding game, and I think this is the highest, or there might be one that's slightly higher. Really? Hmm. Yeah, there is one that's slightly higher than this one. You really uh, like this one? Yeah, you looked at it, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well, it's peaked over right now. Yeah, um, and it's because, one, it's requested by my wife, and so we've played it a little bit more. She really enjoys reason. this one. Um, like I said, uh, it, It's a Wonderful World is a great drafting game. This is another drafting game. Uh, Phil Walker Harding. This is number 679. Yeah, yeah. This is Planted, a game of nurture and, or nature and nurture. Um, my wife loves this game. She adores it. It's probably, if she did a top 100, it'd be in her top 10. Yeah. She likes this one a lot. I'm fine with it. I enjoy, I like the theme, I'm fine with. But the game yeah. is really good. I like the fact that... You either use your card to buy a plant, use your card to gain a resource, or use your card to give you special powers. So one section of it could be like a tool can give you um, a special, an extra resource depending on which card you play, like the double sun or the single sun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Buffalo games and well produced. The um, components are just, just amazing. And then yeah. the, the other part of it is you could do something that helps you with scoring at the end of the game, mm-hmm. like uh, score this many points for every floor plant you have or shelf plant that you have or hanging plant you have or score an additional point or something like that for this or that. I love the fact that you can propagate if you have leftover resources, which just gives you a point at the end of the game. Uh, it's it's really well done. It's really streamlined to play quickly too. It, it thirty minutes. We I played a four player game of this thirty minutes. Wow! So it plays really well. Uh, it says because it, it's um, a drafting game, but it's real time drafting. So you grab your card, you play your card, you gather your resources, stuff like that. Slow it down first couple plays. Just like everybody, pick their card, play it face down, draft, uh, play it up, gather your resources all at the same time, but go slow because if you're you're okay boom 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 you're gonna get confused sometimes it, it's happened um where it's like you're just doing it's like wait which which cards am i grabbing yeah. now so yeah. go uh, it, do fast but slow it down a little bit this way it's like okay i'm not gonna pick these up until i see everybody else is starting to pick up their things this yes. way uh because it's confusing it, it get because it, it moves so fast it's like wait which way we're going but i do thoroughly enjoy this game yeah 
This, you know, the only reason I don't like it nearly as much as you do is because I feel like Phil Walker Harding has done almost every aspect of this game better. Like, I mean, re like getting resources to buy, to get fulfill plans, like uh, fulfilling stuff. I feel, you know, uh, Gizmos does that better. Drafting, I feel Sushi Go does that better. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of the parts that I like about it. Mm -hmm. He just has done better in another game. It has nothing against the game itself. I just feel like that's the reason it fell flat for me. The, but the, the components, yeah. Oh my god, this Buffalo, is, good which, job. Which is interesting about it. This is one of his cheaper games. Yes, but it has quite possibly better components than say Gizmos or Emotep yeah. and stuff like mm -hmm. that because. The, the plastic suns, the plastic water yes. drops, the screen-printed wooden pieces, um, really yes. phenomenal stuff. The art is really great in this, too. Don't get me wrong, Gizmos has great components, but it's right. just marbles. I mean, you can go buy a bag of marbles anywhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree with you. Like that That's one of those reasons that it, Buffalo sets themselves apart, right? And the, the big thing about it for me, and I know why it's higher on this list, and if we do this again, say, in a couple years, it might further go further back on my list and drop. It's just because it's it's got that that uh, I guess nostalgia, but it's not really nostalgia. But my wife really enjoys it, so she requests yeah. to play this game, and I get excited when my wife requests to play board games with me because she's not a gamer. So when she's like, "Hey, let's play some Gloomhaven," or say, uh -huh. "Hey, let's play some Planted," I'm like, "Okay." okay. <laughs> and that's why it's probably so high on my list because one, it's a cute game; two, it's really well done; and three, it's a game that my wife requests. Yeah, that's a good reason. Uh, my last one today, number 41, is a game that was a damn it, Daniel. You're welcome. I am. This is a really good game. And it's because it does cooperatively, or cooperative in a very different way. It's no longer do some good stuff, then do some bad stuff. Do some good stuff, then do some bad stuff. No. This is a game where you are all trying to survive as cavemen. Paleo. Paleo, yeah. Paleo is so it's good. It's so good. And it has no right being as good. I like the different backs. You have <coughs> different backs of cards. You have a general understanding of what's coming up. And you look at the back of the three, and you choose one of them to encounter. The other two go back on your deck. Very simple. And then you all encounter all your cards simultaneously, and then you hope that you can just survive, and or that somebody <laughs> didn't do anything crazy. There's so much variability. The components are great. There is like eight different packets of cards that you can use, different scenarios and different mm -hmm. combinations. There's components I haven't even used yet because I haven't played that far. This was, I think, the Kenner Spiel winner, right? Yeah, it's the Kenner. Yeah, the Kenner Spiel winner. Uh, uh, 2020, I think? Something like that, yeah. Paleo, it is absolutely phenomenal. I see why it was the winner. Great job. Yeah, I love this game. So, so quick I'm spoiler. Very happily have it in my list. Quick spoiler alert. Uh, you... Uh, pretty much beat me when it comes to crossovers because I was just looking up a head of list, oh, yeah. and I we're at eight right now. Oh, I know. We're at eight right now. Huh? I know for a fact on the next list we're gonna hit three. Yep. <laughs> so you're so, closer. I'm closer. Well, we'll see. You never know. Oh no, no, I know, I know. Yeah. We, I know. In fact, out of all the probably meta games, four or yeah. five games, yeah. yeah. Out of all the meta games, it's not rare that, or it's not that common that I win. Yeah. But I will take this victory. <laughs> before we finish up and close up this set, well, there was one thing we wanted to talk about um, before yes. uh, in this podcast. So thank you for staying this long, and we'll be quick about this. But it has to do with a game that was on your list today. Uh, 
Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven, yeah. So, yeah, we were, there's been this thing on my... And we just wanted to talk about this real quick because we thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for some reason, I guess what happened was um, enough people started rating Brass Birmingham really well on BoardGameGeek.com. Which is fine. It's a, it's yeah. a good game. If, I like think the, I, if you I, like the game, you like the game, right? I think I rated an 8 or 9 myself. Yeah, so. and I haven't played it, but I do want to. And and apparently, and it got enough traction where it hit 100. But because of that, people started upvoting Gloomhaven to take over that thing. And then because of that, people started downvoting both of them, mm-hmm. depending on which side you are. Like... like Guys, come on. Yeah. First off, the rankings are not that important. It's no. fun to say, hey, I've owned no. this game. And Gloomhaven was the number one game for a long time. Right. At, at least, I'm going to say 2018. The game came out in 2017 from what BGG says. But I'm right. going to say it probably took number one, say, 2018 or 2019. Right. It, it had a nice run. Same with uh, Twilight Struggle. or yeah. yeah, Twilight Struggle and Twilight, not Twilight Imperium, but Pandemic Legacy and stuff like that. Right. It's fine if other games overtake it. The review bombing is ridiculous, in all yeah. honesty. Yeah, exactly. Like, really, the when you rate something a 10, that means that it functionally cannot get any better. It's as near to a perfect game as possible, and you like everything about it, including components, theme, everything, right? And that, it me, hits on all cylinders. I will tell you, and, right now, Gloomhaven, I rate a 10, because right. it hits all cylinders for me. I love every mm-hmm. aspect of this game. Now, I have replaced components because um, they, they offer sure. metal coins. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and the way that... I was watching a review video today. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Yee of the Dice Tower, he was, he was reviewing a game, and he rated it a 3 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And he said, it was like, functionally, yes, it does technically work. Mm-hmm. That's why it's getting a 3. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Like, and he, he explained all these videos, like, but functionally, yes, it works. That's why it's getting a three. Yeah. A one is broken mm-hmm. and all the pieces are terrible and it's just absolutely awful. Like, some of the stuff that I used to play on the bottom or bottom shelf show. Yeah. Uh, is we used to, I used to, I won a game, a few of them. even though I lost the game. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, when it's games that are like functionally broken, really bad, that's when it's a one. I've never played Brass Birmingham, but I are, I know that is not a one. No, even a, if that is not your style. Yeah, exactly. Don't be that person that goes in there and ranks it a one because you like something else okay. better. You're rate being the a games you like. Point. If you if you rate Brass Birmingham, let's just say a three or a four right. or a five, that is an actual review because you're saying I don't like this game. Yes. If you're just rating it as a one because you want your other game like Gloomhaven to move back up into its right. number one spot, no. you're not doing anybody any favors. No. And a big key, um, and I, I will say the name Thomas Covert, uh, the guy who runs a board game revolution, mm-hmm. when he was talking yep. about it, he's like, don't pay attention to the, the numbers. Go and read the reviews. Yes. Like So if someone Agreed. puts a 10 on it and has a review to it, that's going to tell you right. why this person likes it. If someone rated, say, Gloomhaven a 3 and has a review to it, basically right. saying, hey, this is why I didn't like it, this, this, and this, and this, that has more power than someone just going in there and rating it a 1 and then right. walking away. Yeah, because if somebody who rates it a 1, that that means they haven't played it, realistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... And I'm not saying games can't be 1s. They can. But, like... Let's I don't think I've that, ever rated a game a one. I, I think, think my lowest is maybe a three or two. I'm pretty sure I've rated a one before, but like I'm talking like it was a bottom shelf game. Mind like, you, for a reason. I also don't put 
my review on it because I don't right. I don't want to talk. Exactly. But I, if someone asks me, well, why'd you rate it a ten? Here's why. Right. You, I can tell you why I rate it as such a way. Right. And so let let's use an example. We don't always talk about this game, but um, Architects of the West Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I don't like that game in no. the slightest. Would I ever go rated a one? No, because here's the thing: even though I feel like one part of the mechanism is broken, to the point where it ruined my experience, everything else about the game was functional. Mm-hmm. The art was decent, and I understand why you enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and I understand why many people enjoy it. That would be about a five or a six for me, because of how bad my experience was. I think I rated an eight. Yeah, and see, and that's a very reasonable, like, and I would go on there if I was actually ranking it, because I don't do that, but if I did, I would go on there and I would explain, look, this one mechanism is what soured it for me. Yeah. And then that way, if people read my review and go, oh, wow, I don't think I would like that part of it, then, then that would skew them away from it, which is the point. We're trying to get people games that they like. Yeah. Rating, I mean, I don't believe that anybody truly thinks Brass Birmingham or Gloomhaven is functionally flawed to the point where they get one votes. Yeah. No, even, so, even if I didn't like Brass Birmingham, I wouldn't rank it a one. Because it is a solid game. It, it has good mechanisms to it. It's got okay art. Um, if you have the deluxe edition, it has really good components for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, functionally, it is not a bad game. So yeah. even if I didn't like it, the most I could rate it is like a five. Even if you absolutely hated the the theme, if if it functionally works, that's worth at least a few points. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to see where Simple I had that. brass ranked, but I think I have my thing where it's like my previous yeah. own dish. But uh, again, yeah, we just. We just thought, saw that in the news. We thought it was interesting. People are going to be people everywhere. Yeah, um, I, it, but the thing is, like, a big part of it, too, is I think Board Game Geek needs to do something about that because I don't know how they would do it, but, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes and other places have um, fixed where review bombing can't hurt something. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, be... it was a big problem back in, like, the, the 2020, or 2020 and stuff like that where people were, like, the woke industry and they would just review bomb something before it even came out. Yeah. And it's just because they don't like the way Disney has been running lately. And so they go and review bomb a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie without yeah. even watching it. So Yeah. Exactly. Nah, it it's that's that's more broke than the game is. Yeah, I don't know how they fix it, but again, it's just people's opinions. Everybody has one. Yeah, if you're not sure if something should be that I mean, congratulations to Brass Birmingham. Yeah. Uh and it, like I said, that's Mark I said. Wallace, it's it's a great game. Even to the point where Isaac Childress and Cephalair Games um, Cephalofair yeah. came out and said, hey, congratulations, let's all go get a beer or something like that because that's one of the stuff in there. And I thought that was great because it's the same thing that happened with when Frosthaven overtook board games in um, uh, Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Death Monster went and said congratulated them for doing that. It's it doesn't have to be a competition. Yeah. It, you're got to be happy for the other guy because this is a hobby that we all love. Yeah, yeah. The more, the more less negativity, rooting. more positivity. That's right. That's right. And even though the, me and this guy constantly bicker about stuff like that, <laughs> we're we're in it for the right reason. Yeah, and, and it's all in jest too. There's like, no reason to harsh somebody. You you like Machi Coral. I don't. 
Yeah. I give you a grief about it, but I well, also do. like, hey, have fun with it. You would like you, it. Would you rate uh, Lupin Louie a one? No, I would lo- rate Lupin Louie, and I think I have rated it. I think it's a four for me. Okay. And it's just because there's one piece that makes it broken where someone can play so good that you'll never have a turn. Right. That's that's fine uh, because if that, that was somehow fixed, yeah, I might like it a little bit more. Yeah, but it's not. It's it's a functional game, and know yeah. what it's doing. But I wouldn't rate it a one because it's not completely useless. Right. It's got a great components. It's got decent art. It, it mm-hmm. does well what it does, but it just it could take someone out of it. I'd rate it a four. Yeah. There you go. That's already above a one. It's one of my least favorite games of all time. Yeah. And to to the point, it's my veto power. <laughs> That's true. Was that my veto? Which one was Architects? Architects is your veto. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad I don't want to talk about that one anymore. <laughs> anyway, we want to thank you guys for for tuning in. If you ever want to join us on a live episode of one of our uh, top tens, top one hundreds, or any of our future episodes, join us at Twitch.tv/EverydayBoardGames. And we didn't give a shout out, but the Wary Warlord, if you're still with us, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you. As well as all video re-uploads can be found at YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast, pl- podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. <laughs> this includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. If you disagree with our ending comments, and or if you agree... Send us an email at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. You can also send us emails at that email address for any future requests, even just to say hi, tell us about what you do or don't like about the episode, or even give us ideas for future episodes and or contests in the future. As well as normally we finish this off by saying you can also get in contact with us on our official Twitter account. Uh, That's no more. Um, Oh, this is news to me. We still have it, but I'm the one that usually ran it. I deleted Twitter off my phone. I was just tired of it. I didn't want to deal with it. So Fair enough for uh, me. the email is the best way for us to get a hold of us. So again, everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. Tell us if you like that decision, whether Daniel <laughs> <laughs> took Twitter off of his phone. Um, either way, as always, I want to thank you for listening. I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.